hello, hello. It's Jet Black Extreme, and we are back at it again with another episode of the Zone Podcast. With me today, I have Callie Haikaishin. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I've been looking forward to this review for a really, really long time because um, the anime that we're going to talk about is, if if not in my top three, maybe maybe my favorite anime slash like well, manga series. Period. So I am super excited to talk about this today. Yeah, yeah. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the topic of today is a classic in our eyes where we remember nights to where it would come on, but especially early in the morning where you're just waking up out of nowhere and maybe you're watching clips of the episodes itself, but it's the ending songs that hits like super hard in the early morning it's like that's like the best way to wake up in the morning for school when you're like okay i need to go to school and then you hear that song and i was like i'm digging this song you're like you know what this might get me through the day <laughs> ladies and gentlemen the topic of today is inuyasha and without further ado let's go ahead and zone in on it now inuyasha in modern day tokyo we have our girl Kagome Higurashi living on the grounds of her family, Shinto Shrine, with her mother, grandfather, and younger brother. And on her 15th birthday, searching for her cat, Kagome ended up in the well room. Well, they call it the bone eater well. And out of nowhere, she was just dragged into it and by the centipede demon and emerges from it in feudal japan sengoku period in fact and that's funny because i plan on talking about sengoku bazaar at some point with kokugatsu so that's the funny thing too kokugatsu and suki hops wanted to be on this review but because of scheduling i understand they can't be on today but maybe we'll have a segment for them later maybe not it might be a one shot one segment type thing <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry but uh I was thinking of Drumline and how one of my friends, uh, for her sake, I'll call her Mickey. She tells me a lot how she, re- I remind her of Dr. Lee um, when, you know, like one band, one sound. And I just like, OK, I kind of hear it now. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, with this review, Kagome. She's in another universe um, parallel to her universe, but in the past, and this was during Japan's Sengoku period. And the demon originally defeated 50 years prior by Kikyo, this warrior priestess uh, that was the previous keeper of the Shikon Jewel, the MacGuffin of the series. This magical artifact created uh, from the sacrifice of the priestess uh, Midoriko, which grants is holder any wish their heart desires and most demons that want this jewel just want to be like super strong and just conquer everything that's pretty much what the demons in this universe does even our main character inuyasha half human half demon whom kikyo pinned to the tree as her final act when attempted to he tried to steal the jewel but we know what really happened Essentially, Kagome stumbles onto Inuyasha, who was sleeping, pinned to the tree by the sacred area. 
she gets attacked by the sympathy demon and then Inuyasha was like, hey, girl, you want my help? Get me out of this tree. So Kagome pretty much pulled the sacred arrow out of the tree because we know her that she's the descendant of, well, reincarnation of Kikyo. Because it's funny, Callie, because we had this conversation last night getting ready for the view about reincarnation. <laughs> now, Let's see. Where was I with this? My bad. Okay, so Inuyasha gets freed from the tree and then he turns on Kikyo and tries to steal the jewel again, but he was subdued by the magical beaded necklace to keep him in line with Kagome saying things like sit or sit boy, uh, which is going to get fairly used like a lot in this series like almost comically <laughs> and this caused him to violently fall to the ground so the Shikung jewel gets extracted from Kagome's body and taken by crow demon and Kagome tries to stop the crow but in doing so she shatters the jewels into many shards that were scattered across feudal Japan and into possession of various demons and humans so that's pretty much where the plot kicks in to where Inuyasha, Kagome, and we have our companions, Roku, Sango, and Shippo, and Kirara traveling feudal Japan to find all these sacred jewel shards to form the Shikon jewel um, before it gets into the um, hands of the wrong people. Like, say, for instance, our main antagonist, Naraku, or maybe someone like Inuyasha's half-brother, Shishomaru. But enough about me. Uh, Callie, how are you feeling about Inuyasha? Um, so, like I started off before, um, the uh, this anime is a... Like I said, it's probably my favorite. It's something I've actually thought about getting tattoos, uh, <laughs> tattoos on me for. Um, and I'm one of those people where if I'm going to get a tattoo, it's something that has a lot of meaning. And um, with the, the anime and the manga series, like when everybody was, you know, younger, making their like, you know, Yahoo emails and stuff like that. Uh, mine included <laughs> <laughs> had, had the name Kagome in it. Um, so, and then all of us, some of my other friends had like Inuyasha and theirs and stuff like that. And I mean, we used to like role play. And so I would be Inuyasha and one of my other friends would be Kagome or something like that. So this is, um, whew, I'm just so excited to talk, um, a lot more about this, but I remember watching it. Um, let's see, I think Inuyasha came on in 2001 when Adult Swim like actually started. Yeah. And so I was I was about six, maybe seven when that came on. And, I, you know, I probably should have been watching Adult Swim when I was like six years old. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, it, it was kind of like that to where it was like, honestly, you didn't really have a bedtime. You just more like just get some um, sleep so you can go to school with a full night's rest. But nah, me, I was like, I'll probably be up like. 10 o'clock, 11, midnight, maybe oh, 1 yeah. o'clock in the morning, and then yeah. I'll finally, finally fall asleep and wake up 
around six or so. I will probably nap in class, not gonna lie, but <laughs> like yeah, I've been I've been nocturnal. Like I've I've always been more likely to stay up late at night and stuff like that ever since I was younger. And I don't know if Adult Swim attributed to that or what. Thanks, Adult Swim. Um, because there's just so much cool <laughs> stuff going on. Because not only was it in Yasha, but you know, they had Cowboy Bebop. I think they were showing Outlaw Star and like Tenchi Muyo and stuff like that, along with Toonami. So um yeah. So, like you said, like even watching some of the episodes and everything like that, and you wake up in the in the middle of the night for no reason, and you hear um, "I will." Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember who does the song, but like "I will," one of those songs. You know, there's that one um, with the train, and it has like the spider lilies in it, which actually has um, a connotation in Japanese folklore um, that's associated with death. Um, so yeah, this this anime like starting everything out and everything was really really cool to see from beginning to end um we'll talk about it a little bit later but when they finally got the continuation to actually round out the series i was so excited um but yeah so that's that's all i want to say about it for right now yeah gotcha uh i'm I'm not gonna lie the ending theme songs really slapped and for instance, the first ending, like you said, was very good. Uh, I'm trying to pull up a list now, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, it was My Will. That was the first one. Oh, My Will. Uh, my bad, yeah, my, my bad. All good. Uh, the second ending, I forgot the name of it, but I know that was uh, very good, too. Um... I think the fifth one, Duet Infinity, you know, the oh, one yeah. um, that, that uh, shit, the one that features Shishomaru. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, oh, that was. Is it Shinjutsu, Shinjutsu no Uta? That's what it is. Right. I about to say, I, I know, I remember all these songs, like, no, no joke, bro. I auditioned in, like, fifth grade or something like that with one of these songs. I was singing in Japanese. I auditioned at, like, with, at, uh, at my elementary school to be part of the talent show with a, with a song from Inuyasha. Right. So, like, it was that serious. My favorite one, though, is um, Come by Namie Amuro. I think that one's a little bit later in the series, maybe around the um, Band of Seven arc, I think. Yeah. Um, but right. that one's probably my favorite. And there's a couple of opening songs. Like, I... Um, change the world and they go I want to change the world but you know usually with how it would work out like they would never show the opening theme songs but we always got those kick ass ending theme songs so I always look forward to those like at the end of the at the end of the episode and everything but come by Namiya Amuro which I think is the one that I did for the talent show that's probably my favorite out of all the you know you know what you know what really did it for me every heart no that one makes me cry <laughs> yeah it's like it started off really soft and then it gets like really strong and Ugh. like yeah just... i'm gonna have to pull up a youtube playlist and watch all of the ending thing songs now after this episode yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, with the plot. So, Inuyasha, 
he gains his father toward Tessaiga, and that plays him at odds with his uh, half-brother, Shishomaru, who is this powerful, uh, full-blooded demon that wants uh, Tessaiga for himself, but he eventually inherited Tensega. And that's funny, too, because I made a meme about this to where, just imagine that his father was like, okay, Shishomaru, I'm going to give you Tensega because you got to give a fuck about somebody. And then Shishomaru would probably just snatch that sword black. Big no. I don't give a fuck about nobody. In fact, when I see these motherfuckers suffering, I just laugh at them like this. (laughs) Yeah. But it was like Shishomaru, funny enough, very popular with the ladies in real life but let's just be real like Shishomaru barely gives a fuck about anybody like the fact that he has any care for Reen was the most shocking thing because normally he just doesn't care but I guess and I don't know if Yashihime did explain this already um the thing is, I was watching Yashihime, but I kind of dropped off it. Like I was catch, I was up to speed when it first came out, but then work and things happen. I just fell behind, and I'm gonna get caught up sometime this month. Good thing I got on Crunchyroll Premium thanks to having Discord. And speaking of which, jump into the Discord. The link will be down below in the episode footer, and. Crunchyroll. Check it out. Give it a chance if you want to look at some new anime. <laughs> Please sponsor Chris Crunchyroll. <laughs> uh, anyways, which is Shomaru. He ends up with Tensega and he really wants to uh, Tessaiga, and he's gonna fight Inuyasha for it uh, by any means. And like I said, they are gonna be accompanied by Shippo, the young fox demon with this trickster magic. Uh, Kikyo is later revived and revealed to have been Inuyasha's lover, but her version of how their falling out occurred brings in the ev- events into questions. Like, okay, let me just go ahead and explain this one. So, you're telling me that there's this criminal named Omi, this bandit called Onigumo. He was essentially got wounded or whatever. Like he he was he couldn't move, so it just felt like he was just gonna end up dying in that cave. But then Kikyo showed up, tried to nurse him to hell, and then. Onigumo just caught feeling for Kikyo, but Kikyo's like, ah, no, no, I'm sorry, no. And then next thing you know, Onigumo's like, uh, the, the woman I liked didn't rejected me. I need to like do something about this. So he just makes a pact with a bunch of demons, and that's when his villain origin story um happened. That's just so weird how that has like real life um applications to where some dudes when they get rejected by the girl they like they just end up adopting this this whole bad boy phase now just to be like oh well if it's gonna be like that then fuck all that i'm just gonna you know that sort of thing and i'm sitting here like 
Mm. Kind of. Mm. You know what? That's not the uh, podcast for this. Like, we'll do an after dark podcast on something like this um, somewhere in the future. But I'm just gonna leave it there. Ah, <laughs> uh, but eventually Onigumo made this pact with demons to become Naraku and you know, gaining power, all that thing. Like, literally, it's funny because. He's a spider half demon, especially with that spider scar on his back. And it's real funny how between Inuyasha, Shishomaru, Kikyo, uh, Shippo, uh, Moroku, Sango, all of them really, it's like he weaved this whole web of deceit and lies and whatnot to really push the plot forward to where this is a group of people who all have their own reasons for snuffing Naraku out. And that's why I say Naraku for me is one of my favorite anime villains of all time. Like, I don't know, I would say top 10 I don't even know if I would say top 20, but definitely top 50. But, Kelly, how are you feeling about Naraku as a character? Um, so, Naraku is a punk-ass bitch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and, the fact, and the fact that all of this started because he was rejected by a girl is I don't know if this is something you're gonna talk about on um and like after dark, but I mean you can that's talk about total incel to, behavior. I was saying like you can talk you can talk about it if you want to, but I was saying like if you want me to go a full tangent on it, then I'll just save the uh, answer for later. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I I I just wanted to say that that's that's total incel behavior. So yeah. you know, so I I agree though that it's kind of interesting that he did um developed this whole like web of deceit and everything shippo i think was kind of um they kind of happened upon him in a different way but with moroku and with sango and even later on with shishomaru because i think um naraku tries to use shishomaru to try to kill inuyasha even though shishomaru is already trying to do that by himself and so shishomaru ends up turning against him as well so that's another enemy of his obviously kikyo and then uh koga who i also had a crush on (laughs) <laughs> when I was younger, that's because I also thought Koga was cute. Um, but in Inuyasha's best boy, uh, people that are into Shishomaru, uh, uh, they uh, I question their their taste in men, and we've talked about this before in past podcasts. Uh... So, uh, so I'm not going to talk about that too much. But um, but yeah, so with Naraku, he's just he is a really interesting character, but the, like I said, the fact that all of this started because Kikyo like rejected him and he found out that Kikyo was already interested or already in a relationship with Inuyasha at that time. And literally all of this started because of that what was um, 50 years in the past that um, Inuyasha was pinned to the tree and Kikyo, Kikyo was killed and everything. So all of this is just... Naraku is he's a he's definitely a really good villain. He's definitely well 
thought out. I mean, he ends up later on, I think, trying to become even stronger, like get a a final form per se, if that's what you want to call it, you know. Um, so because he starts out kind of regular and he has like that um, that shroud that he always sits in and he has like um, that baboon like, ma- baboon mask, I think it is, or, or a Japanese macaque. Uh, like yeah. those monkeys usually sit in like the hot springs and stuff. That he, he's like that's that's iconic. Like when I think of Naraku, I think of what he looks like as a, like a as a person. But the first image that comes to mind is that like baboon mask that he's wearing first, and I'm like that's iconic. Like you, if you think of Inuyasha and then you think of Naraku at the same time, so like he's um I don't know if he's my top favorite villain as well. Like I like Inuyasha like the most as a series. Um, I feel like there are a couple of other villains that. Uh, probably have um different intentions and stuff like that but naraku as a character is really interesting i just wouldn't say he's probably not my favorite villain but he's he's probably definitely up there i'd probably say he's top 10 for me okay okay and two other well three other characters that i'm there's one character that i completely for almost forgot but two main characters i want to uh, touch base on Moroku, the perverted monk with the cursed hand of wind tunnel that was passed on to him from his grandfather that they learned that his family was cursed and the events were resulting in Inuyasha's imprisonment and Kikyo's death was all caused by Naraku. Now, then there's also Sango, who is one of the demon slayers. And you know else is funny? I made a post on Facebook talking about how Inuyasha is Demon Slayer for 90s kids. <laughs> that and, is absolutely true. Yeah. Like the original Demon Slayer, bro. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. We know that there were Demon Slayer themes in anime probably before Inuyasha, but for 90s kids, that was like the definitive Demon Slayer anime. Yeah. I mean, they, they had like the, the kind of... um almost like a demon of the week type thing, except for when they would start going into like the arts where there was like actual like plot. I mean, some of the, some of the demons and stuff like that would still be part of the plot, but it was like a demon of the week type thing. Like, what are they going to kill? Who are they after this time? You know? Right. Now, mm. Songo, one of the demon slayers, she, her main reason for wanting, and also she has this cute uh, two-tailed demon cat, Kirara. And that's funny, too, because um I made posts on Facebook talking about, oh, I got Inuyasha, Sishomaru, uh, Kagome, uh, Kirara, uh, Inuyasha fighting um, Sishomaru in his um, wolf dog form, you know. Uh, I have Funko Pops of those. And yeah, I, I'm loving them. I'm I'm keeping them. <laughs> I keep them. I keep them all in the box. So you know, for collectors' reasons. But yeah, with Sango and Kirara, their main reason for wanting to hunt down Naraku is because of their Sango's entire clan was killed, and. She got tricked by Naraku, and her younger brother, Kohaku, fell under his control. So for a very hot minute, 
Kohaku was brainwashed into being a servant of Naraku. Now, and it's funny because while we know Inuyasha and Kagome have some romantic chemistry, we can also deny that eventually Moroku and Sango was going to have some uh, romantic chemistry, despite the fact that Sango liked to touch a lot of ass. <laughs> but, Callie, how do you feel about Moroku and Sango uh, as characters and their relationship together? Um, so one of the main reasons why I've always liked Moroku was that he was voiced by um, Kirby Morrow, mm-hmm. who, if, if people aren't familiar with like voice actors in that way, um, one of the other substantial uh, characters he played, at least the, the one that sticks out in my head, is that he was also Scott Summers or Cyclops in the X-Men Evolution series, mm-hmm. which is so good, by the way. Um, and so I had a crush <laughs> on, mm-hmm. on his voice, um, but Moroku's Moroku's um, like theme as a character with him being like perverted and stuff like that. They've always all of like the '90s anime and stuff like that. There always had to be some sort of pervert character. Master Roshi. Um, there's that really gross grandpa in Rama One Half, which is also um, written by Rumiko Takahashi. Um, so it's another series by her. Um, but there's always, well, even to this day, there's also always like a pervert character. After after, like the first five times he was like touching girls on the butt or like trying to like woo them. I was like, this is getting old. And so every single time I'm like, okay, I'm waiting for Songu to slap him. And so I'm like, okay, he's going to get too far. I'm like, oh yes, the relationship's progressing. They're holding hands. And he grabbed her boob. (laughs) And there's the red mark on his face. Okay. All right. So. Also, so I, I'm going to say also, dude, bro, bro, I, I mean, maybe this works for you sometimes, and there are episodes where it actually does kind of sort of work, or at least it was leading towards a trap, but dude, if you're going to hit up women, if you're going to hit on women, don't lead with burying their uh, children, burying your children. Oh, gosh, yeah. I was going to say that, like, I know that this is some sort of, like, um, I wouldn't call it, like, a coping mechanism. Like, I know, I think his, um, when he's introduced, I think Maroka is supposed to be, like, 19. And so I'm not sure how exactly how much it is in feudal Japan or anything like that. So I know that he's, like, 18. He's try- no, eight, 18. Okay, I thought it was 19. My bad. Um, you were close. But, so he, but he's trying, he's trying to have kids to pass on, you know, his genes because he's like i could die at any time because of the because of the wind tunnel so um you know he's obviously like it's a survival instinct like it's literally like an evolutionary instinct for him to pass on his kids but i'm like at that time they would still pass on the wind tunnel as well because he didn't it didn't go away until like the very end of the series obviously which we'll talk about later but um but i mean like of course leading like hitting on girls with can you please bear my children? I've got a, I'm probably going to die soon. Like that's not, right. that's, that, that's not the pickup line that he thinks it is. And with Sango, um, for me, even though I like Kagome to me, Sango is best girl. Cause yeah. she's so strong. Um, I don't know if any of y'all out there ever played any of the Inuyasha video games, 
I but did. after oh you did okay great yeah. um after uh playing like the inuyasha um secret of the cursed mask sango was second in strength like when you when you added her to your party after inuyasha so she was the uh, second strongest character hold on was that game was on playstation 2 because that sounds familiar Yes, it's PlayStation 2. I played that one multiple times. But yeah, so yes, she, she, that's the one. That's the so one. I think I think she was even stronger than Moroku. Like Moroku was good, but his stuff was like usually magic. She would throw her Hariakotes or her bone boomerang. I think Hariakotes sounds a lot cooler, obviously. But, you know, you say you put something in Japanese and it sounds a lot cooler. Um, well, the way she says it, too, just sounds iconic. I can still uh, hear it in the back of my ear. It's like, Hariakotes. Yeah, bro, it's, uh it gives me, like, goosebumps, because she's such a cool character, but she is so strong. Like I said, I, I like strong female characters, which is funny, because in Naruto, I like Hinata, like, I'm not, I like Sakura, but she's not, like, my favorite, because to me, Hinata's best girl in Naruto, but Sango is probably my favorite female character in all of Inuyasha, just because of, like, she exudes strength, she's been brought up the specific way to defeat demons and stuff like that to take care of her family so it's something that she's been embedded in in her entire life and so her mission is to straight up you know kill naraku like it's what she was it's what she was born it's what she was brought up to do so so those those are my thoughts on sango is sango's best girl yeah that's fair enough okay okay now hmm where was I? Oh, yes. Uh, what are your thoughts on Shippo? Oh, so Shippo is so gosh darn cute. <laughs> I named I named one of my cats after him. I had oh. a cat. I had a cat named Shippo um, who unfortunately passed a couple of years ago. Oh. Um, he was a very, very sweet cat. Um at that time, I think we got him when I was seven years old. So it was at least a, a year, a year and a half after I started watching Inuyasha. So I was like, I want to name my cat after an anime character. And Inuyasha, obviously, since he was a dog, it wasn't going to fit. So I chose Shippo, even though foxes are also technically dogs. <laughs> but it was it was just the perfect name. So the name Shippo and that character also has like a special place in my heart. Because he's also trying to do the best that he can because he he was trying to avenge his father when he was um, introduced because I, I remember right the Thunder Brothers had killed him and like literally one of them was wearing his dad's belt around his fucking waist and that would be super traumatic for him and so that was when Indiyashi Tsugame ran into him because he was the very first person to join them on their on their way and then so with Kagome and Indiyashi being introduced and like taking care of them and stuff like that it almost seemed natural for him to join like I said, he, him and um, Inuyasha were well, kind of along with Haruku as well. Was kind of introduced as like, you know, the kid comic relief. So he also filled that niche in the anime as well. But that, those, are, those are my thoughts on Shippo. Uh, gotcha, gotcha. Oh, well, you know what? I was bouncing back through my notes and turns out with when I was talking about Shishomaru and Reen um, accompanying him and I was wondering did is Reen the mother of the twins and yes that is confirmed to be so they just that they waited until she was an adult and then Shishomaru was like okay well you're old enough so 
so legal, but still creepy. I mean, to be fair, based on the the circumstances that they met, like, keep in mind that she was an orphan, and she lost her family due to bandits, and Reen ended up getting killed by wolves under Koga's tribe, but Sushomaru yeah. kind of took pity on her, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I don't remember the details on that uh, finite, but she does get resurrected by Sushomaru using Tensega, and then... Green just started to uh, follow him around and help him out and all that shit. And I guess as time went by, by the way, weird as hell that in Yashahime, when um, Kagome finally appears, it's like he hasn't aged at all. Oh, yeah. They get they get into that whole thing. Uh, in Yasha and Kagome, I think we're like trapped in some place. And so this entire time. Moroha has been trying to like get to them and stuff. But I was also going to say, as a, um, to tack on to the thing about Shoshomaru and Rin, Rin, like, if I remember right, because she's still relatively young, like about how how long is the past? I think eight years or so, something like that. A, a specific amount of time had passed, but when Rin had uh, the twins, uh, she was only like 15. <sighs> the, I, that's the part I that's the part that I think is really creepy. I mean, like I said, he waited until she was of age in feudal Japan, but like that's still creepy because he was like basically like a father figure and then or like even like a big brother figure and then he uh you know. Yeah. It's like that, so, that was the kind of energy <laughs> that we were getting. It was like we would have never thought that they would even have anything romantic going on. I thought it was just more like a kid that would just follow around her hero. And also, it's like, I didn't even think Shomaru would even have kids. Like, Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, saw it, I saw it coming a mile away when I was younger. I'm like, they're probably going to end up like growing up together. Or, no. well, you know, demon, demons always seem like frozen in time, or at least humanoid demons. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The irony is now seeping into my head now to where, you know, being a half-demon, that is like, you get the Naruto treatment to where at first nobody want to fuck with you because you're, you are what you are. Mm-hmm. And Shishomaru being full-blooded, he looked down upon Inuyasha for being a half-breed. But then, you knock up a human girl, and now you have half-breed children. Mm-hmm. The irony is not lost in this situation. I mean... Like I said, I, I saw it I saw it coming a mile away. I just thought that maybe she would have been a little bit older when she was going to have them and stuff like that. Because I think at some point, Rin is also like locked away or something like that in Yashahime. I only have a very brief, very, not a, a very vague idea of what happens in Yashahime. I also I only know like the basics and stuff like that. So I'm not sure of all of those details. But as far as I know, like, Rin is also away somewhere, so she's also, like, when she finally meets her her daughters and stuff like that, things, she's like, they're like, oh my gosh, she's 
she's still young, you know, like she should have been having them. Let's see. I think they're supposed to be like 14, 14 years old or something like that. And so she should be like 29, but I don't know. Like all, all the, all the time has passed, but like things aren't matching up age wise or something. <laughs> so, you know, but that's an entirely different tangent, you know? Gotcha. Well, moving on from the character. Well, Okay, yeah, yeah, we did talk about Koga a little bit, but there's a little bit more I want to talk about Koga. Like, first of all, his thing with Kagome trying to be her white knight and all that shit. Oh my god. And then, it was, I keep, her name keep escaping me, but it's the redhead chick from her, uh, from the um, wolf tribe that... It's Ayame. Ayame, okay. Yeah, that's so, it. I, I, yeah, Ayame. She's the one that's like, no, Koga, you need to be with me. Forget about that human girl. Why would you want to be with her anyway? And then Koga's like, but, but Kagome, I could, I can do so much better for you than Inuyasha. It's one big gigantic like love square. Yeah. But we know Koga end up with Ayame anyways, so. Yeah. It's all good. Everything works out. But just the whole thing, just the whole rigmarole, just mm-hmm. <laughs> it was kind of hilarious. Like, I kind of like that's what I appreciate about Inuyasha because, like, even with the slow scenes, they were like funny enough to where, okay, uh, it expires more than, you know, like, because mm-hmm. no offense to Demon Slayer, like, from episode one. New Demon Slayer was going to be great and it was going to be get popular, but it's kind of like with Inuyasha, the fact that it was ran for so many episodes, you kind of get a better appreciation for the characters that were introduced into the series versus with Demon Slayer. How can I put this? It's great, but because the way things are going with these seasons and the manga just concluded. And let's be honest, y'all are not that. If if you didn't read the manga and you're only watching the anime, keep in mind we're not that far away from the manga ending. So it's only a matter of a few years, like not too long. More like I predict somewhere between because Sword Smith Village is coming out next year, yeah, and then right. yeah, next year. And then if they keep it up year by year, I kind of hoping that Demon Slayer anime is going to conclude in 2026. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I'm just guesstimating right now. But either way, Swordsmith Village is near the end of Demon Slayer. I'm going to look this up because honestly, I'm kind of interested now. But what I'm trying to get at here is with how Demon Slayer is short compared to Inuyasha, you don't really get to invest too much time with the characters. Like, yeah, there's plenty of times where there a lot of characters do get their spotlight, but let's just say that if it's anything like Rengoku, then consider this anime to be 
one of those animes like Akame Got Kill or an even better example, Game of Thrones, to where don't get too attached to these characters. Well, better yet, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Don't get too attached. Uh, and while I'm looking that up, uh, okay, let's talk about Naraku a little bit. With all these goddamn contingency plans, it's like you swear to God, he's one. That's why I say he's one of my favorite villains because he have almost Eisen level planning to where okay, let's make multiple reincarnations of myself. So you have characters like Kagura and hold on, because I know I just had to, I just had it pulled up. Uh... Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Here we go. Here we go. So, Naraku's incarnations. So, after acquiring enough uh, Shikon jewel shards, Naraku gained the ability to create new demons from his very being that are technically his offspring. However, each is treated by Naraku as expendable minions, you know, tools for his wishes. And he manipulates some of his earliest creations, like those um, brothers that I kind of forgot the names, but, you know, uh, oh, okay. No, no, I got it. Is Jiro Maru and Kagero Maru. Yeah. It was like the fourth and fifth incarnations, but basically his incarnations were uh, Kana was the first, uh, the 10 year old girl with, with the white hair in the mirror, uh, Kagero was second. We know her as the elder sister. Well, she was introduced before her elder sister on Kana, but Kana came first. And she, we know her as this wind witch with the um, feather, and she's she's kind of like Tamari from Naruto, but you know, with a feather instead of a fan. Well, she does have a fan now. Fuck. <laughs> uh, Goshinki was the third. Uh, this large horn oni that didn't really last very long. Uh, there was one guy, uh, Hakudoshi. This dude, he was like sadist and loved chaos, bro. Yeah, but um, Callie, how did you feel about the incarnations of Naraku? Um, so I always liked the two girls the most, obviously, with Kana and Kagura because we got the most time with them. Um, <sighs> Towards the end of the series, I can't remember exactly what ha- happens to Kana off the top of my head, but we know that Kagra ends oh. up. What? Oh, I, I because remember I was trying to rewatch the show not too long ago, and I kind of remember basically with Kana, uh, there was this demon, and essentially her mirror was uh, cracking, but because by now all the incarnations of Naraku realized that Naraku's just using them as pawns. It's like eventually all of them kind of defect from Naraku as like you know a final act of kindness. Um, mm-hmm. So the memory, the exact details is kind of fuzzy. Not gonna lie, but I do remember that 
kind of eventually died um, with her mirror shattered. And in the end, it was like she was kind of helping Inuyasha and um, his party. Yeah, yeah that, sound, that sounds right. Because Kagura, Kagura ended up doing the exact same thing, which I like that she kind of became more of like a... I wouldn't even call her like an anti-hero or anything like that. It was kind of more like a, almost like a double agent type thing where like she would say, okay, well, now I'm, I'm here to like kill in Yasha because I've been sent from um, Naraku to do so-and-so. And then she would kind of like back out of it. And she's like, ah, you meddling kids, you ruined my plans. And then she would just like <laughs> go away on her, on her feather. Um, but I always thought ooh, her 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 attacks in that video game that I talked about earlier, the curse uh, secret of the cursed mask. She was pretty strong too. I just remember that like the dance of the dragons, like it was the coolest. Well, not even that. Like even seeing it in the anime too was one of the coolest things because I always like wind type um, characters and like fire characters and stuff like that. So she was really interesting, and I remember a lot of people for whatever reason because she. Um, I think she interacted with Shomru some, and so I remember a lot of people shipping the both of them, and so a lot of people, all the uh, all the Shomru uh, Kagra shippers, when she finally died, like, uh, she ended up, like, getting back at Naraku, I think, one last time or something like that, and they're like, no, my plans, I wanted them to, like, be together and stuff like that, but it didn't end up that way. She so literally Kagra, twisted in the end. Yeah, and she mm. she became part of the wind, which is what she always wanted to do. She became one with the wind, so she got yeah. she she got her happy ending. Of course, it was really really sad because at that point, like you kind of grow attached to a character and stuff like that. Even if they're supposed to be like a villain in that way, and like finally seeing them pass, it's like you know something something is ending. Like it's it's hard to put it into into words. It's not like um you know like your favorite character, like but beloved character. Is, is dying, but there's still something about like when you lose such a, a main important character in a series, it's like, wow, this really, this really, uh, this really sucks. So um, I like, I like the both of them the most, but it's probably because, like I said, we've had the most time with them. Um, Jeromaru and Kagoromaru were gross because um, one of them <laughs> I think, was the main brother, and the other one was that gross one that was like a parasite and like actually like. Um, was actually like I think controlling the younger brother because I think the younger brother was the one that was like regular, and the older brother was the icky parasite one that reminds me of like, like um the face huggers, but it has right. like uh, he had he had like weird little sickle shaped hands and shit like that. Um, Hakudoshi was I think one of the other like really really big bads. If I remember, I think towards the end of the first series, because I think I think they tied up the loose ends and stuff like that in final act in the second series to tie everything up. Um, but he was a really that little kid was. Yeah, he was definitely a sadist. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, this is literally like Naraku like this. This is the one that's like the most like Naraku always felt like. So he was a really, really big, really important character. But out of all of them. Kagura is probably my favorite um, incarnation, I guess, if you want. I think that's the term, right? Yeah, incarnation. They yeah. almost, they almost kind of fit like, um, like with, um, crap, what is it? 
with Voldemort and his mm-hmm. um, Horcruxes. Like I was thinking about it in the way because they're all kind of like pieces of him. You know what I mean? Right. So I see that kind of parallel. I don't know if like if it had the same effect on like if one of them died, like it also kind of injured Naraku the way that if one of the Horcruxes like died or something like that, it also affected Voldemort. I can't quite remember something that specific, but I can see the parallels between like those two kinds of um, um, plot device. I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah, that, that those are my thoughts on that. Gotcha. Uh, okay, first of all, kind of circling back to the old Demon Slayer arc, sorry, I, I really had to uh, get curious. So, I was correct, Source Myth Village is going to be in 2023, but then after that, there's three more arcs. One, two, yep, three more arcs. So, if they keep this up, 2026 is probably when they end up buying this shit. Or maybe 2027. So, yep, so far that's um, what I got. Now, Inuyasha, this show, this anime, this manga, it has many villains that we see. Many villains, many demons that we encounter. But, to be fair, I think there are some characters that were introduced in the series that took over for a real hot minute. And I would say that even though we have a bunch of villains that like Yura, um, that one demon chick with the um, wires and maybe a few others like Muso, who is like, even though he was the sixth incarnation of Naraku, he's actually Onigumo himself. Um, Many characters that I can probably remember, but honestly, I'm trying to wrap up this whole uh, segment of the review. Let's talk about some of the most prominent additions to this series. The Band of Seven. Because when we got to this arc, it was like, okay, we got a whole bunch of, um, like a whole pack of um, people that was human mercenaries that were killed a long time ago but they were resurrected in an undead state and manipulated by Naraku using the uh, Shikon Jewel and to pretty much uh, stop Inuyasha and the rest of his enemies uh, during the time before, uh, you know, because everybody's trying to get to uh, Mount Hakure and basically the Band of Seven were more like bodyguards, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but we have the Band of Seven, and funny enough, they all have similar sounding names. But we have Kyokotsu, Jakotsu, Mukotsu, Renkotsu, Gengotsu, Suikotsu, and the main boy himself, Bonkotsu. Now, Callie, any words on the Band of Seven? Um, I'd probably say that that was probably, I mean, this is probably the consensus between a lot of fans. I've, I've never, like, actually talked about it with any other fans in that way, but this is probably the, uh, the one arc that I think is probably my favorite because of, like, trying to get through each of the villains and stuff like that. Like, I can see, 
at least each one of them, I can kind of picture what each one of them looked like in my head. And like you said, Bon Kotsu was the main boy. I liked his long braid. I was like, oh, I like guys with long hair. Shout out to my husband. Um, <laughs> and, um, and so Bon Kotsu, I think he's not even like my favorite. I think Jakotsu is probably my favorite, which is the one who is more kind of androgynous. Um, I don't think he was voiced by um, a girl. I don't even know. Hmm. I don't. Oh, I know, know who you're talking he, about. Yeah, I don't even know if he would even be considered. I think he would just be considered gay because I don't think they were trying to pass him off as kind of like a like a trans character or anything like that. But he was definitely gay because it was kind of funny, even though it's still icky. Um, that like Jakotsu was like, oh my gosh, look at all these pretty men. Cause he was of course hitting on Inuyasha and he goes, oh my gosh, Inuyasha, your brother is so cute. Um, and then there's also Moroku too. And he's like, mm, you're kind of okay looking, but you're still kind of cute. And then Moroku's like, this is really gross. Why would anybody flirt with somebody who doesn't want to be flirted with? And I think I may be like self and not, not self inserting, but kind of like thinking about it. I'm like, maybe Kagome and Sango were like, hmm, yeah, doesn't that kind of suck, Moroku? Um, <laughs> uh, oh, gee, wow. I was like, now I you. I can't believe. <laughs> I mean, if you're just now thinking of this, just imagine how all those women uh, might have felt when you did that to them. Imagine how we feel. Like. <laughs> Exactly like that TikTok thing. Imagine how we feel, okay? Uh, but anyway, um, so Jakotsu is probably my favorite because he had the coolest, like each one of them had like some sort of sword or some sort of like particular weapon that they use. Jakotsu's was the coolest one I always thought because he used what was called the snake sword. Um, yeah. Because when, whenever he would like flick it out, it would look like um, almost like little sickles like attached to each other. And I've always had... Um, I don't know why I've always had an affinity for, um, for swords like that, like, um, Ivy Valentine and I...
guest that I have on is Suki Hops. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Just chilling. Good, good. And before we get into it, let me ask, uh, how you feel about Scar- uh, Pokemon Scarlet Violet? Um, I'm enjoying it pretty much. I've just been in the first level. I've just been leveling up my Pokemon and filling up the, the deck, so... I'm just taking my time to enjoy the game. So that's all I've been doing so far. <laughs> I feel that. I've been playing a little bit too, trying to catch up, and I'm enjoying it so far. Like, the only thing I have to criticize about it is the choppy animation here and there, but it's all right. It's like, it's Yo. a lot of things that they're, yeah. The choppy animation is really bad. Especially there's some areas that's like glitchy that you can uh, clip through and stuff like that. But that's the the downsides to open world games. There yeah, is some true. benefits to it where you could take you could take advantage of it. But the disadvantages is like if you're not intentionally try to take advantage of the bugs and glitches, you could glitch into something that you don't really <laughs> want to be in, be in, and then just like oh crap, now I got to start over. <laughs> but that's the funny thing is. They implemented this uh, system to where they have backup data. So if it does glitch out on you, then you can just um, use the backup data to get back to where you were before the glitch happened. So I thought that was a good countermeasure to that. Yeah, that is pretty good. That indefinite yeah. auto save is a blessing. Yes. 
Now, hopefully it's not like when we were playing Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl to where that ice stage and if you get stuck and the autosave is kind of fucking you up, uh, thank God for Talos Gundam for giving us the heads up on that one. Uh, so turn off the autosave when you're doing the ice gym. But other than that, I don't see when that problem is going to occur in these games, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Definitely see. But enough about that. Let's talk about Inuyasha. Uh, for starters, what did you like about the series? Uh, when it came to Inuyasha, I really enjoyed the characters, the way they flushed them out. Especially, this is one of the few animes that I will actually sit down and enjoy the filler. And most animes now these days, you just want to skip the filler because it's just like, what's the point of it? But the film <laughs> actually gives you time to like get to know the characters and stuff like that. So when things pop off, you feel for them, you know? So right. it's like you growing with the characters and stuff like that. So when you finally get the climactic battle to where they defeat Naraku, at least not in this version. But like the first half, no. But the final act one when they when they defeat Naraku. It just feels more rewarding because of the fact that you want to see these characters succeed. Right. Right. I definitely feel that. Like when I was watching the final act, seeing Kagura and Kana turn on Naraku with their final um, good deed, and it just felt very good seeing how some of the loose ends was getting tied together and all that. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I knew Kagura was going to change, was going to turn on him since day one. That was her goal, <laughs> but she didn't know how to go about it because she's like, "Oh shoot, if I open, if she outright to open, try to disobey Naraku, Naraku was quick to put her in her place." So she was just like, "Damn, I want to stay alive, but I don't know." But at the same time, I don't want to be under his thumb. So Kagura since day one was trying to come at Naraku, but. I guess in final act, she just said, fuck it. If I'm going to go, let me go guns blazing. So that's what happened. And especially right. the relationship she developed with Shoshomaru, too, which I really liked. It was pretty short, but it's just like, you know, they were a thing. And it yeah. It made Shoshomaru open up a little bit, but, you know. They only had short, quick moments together, but when they did, it's just like, oh, that's nice. Cool, cool, cool. Now, speaking of Shishou Maru, uh, there is a bunch of uh, fans where they would say that, who would you pick between Inuyasha and Shishou Maru? And now I'm asking you uh, if you had a choice. Uh, I wouldn't say romantically, but more like uh just general preference, like who would you like more between Honestly, Shishomaru. Because of the fact that Shishomaru, despite him at first being a bit little discriminatory and stuff like that towards Inuyasha because he's a half breed, but the more mm-hmm. you get to know any the, the get to know Shishomaru, the more you understand, like, okay, the reason why he resents Inuyasha is because of his dad. His dad right. left him and his mom's for a human so he felt some type of way like who the fuck is this person and on top of that you give him one of the strongest blades in the series the (laughs) Tisaiga. like yo i know he was butthurt especially with a full demon like him which is he's one of the strongest demons 
in the series. But instead, he get he gets whipped with a Tensega, which Tensega is also busted in its own right because it has the, right. the power to res people and all that stuff. And you can detect lifelines. Like it's more like honestly, both of the swords is really good to the point where they have to make a movie about the Tensega and the Tensega fused together could actually beat the other third sword, main Saunga. So. Yeah, that's all. Just like <laughs> and then when you have Inuyasha, who was just like handed everything to him, he had everything handed out to him, women, everything, and Shishomu had to grind for his shit. So that's why I just like, yeah, I'm definitely picking Shishomu because he's the true definition that he had to grind for his, he had to grind for the things that he wanted, even though he was the strongest demon in the series, other than Inuyasha. He still had to work for everything. Whereas Inuyasha just had the perfect sword. He had two women that were perfect for him. He had friends. He has everything. While Shishobu just like, because he was more antisocial and stuff like that, it took him a bit to open up to when it came to certain people. And when it came to him wanting to get swords that would benefit him in battle, he had to go out and search for the perfect sword for him other than Tensega because Tensega was not a battle sword. It was actually right. a freaking, it's actually a weapon that, that is supposed to help heal and res people and his dad gave him that for a purpose so he could have Jishomu be more kind-hearted towards people. Which Jishomu right. in the beginning and, of the series was not. <laughs> and it's funny because I did have this conversation with Callie in her segment about Shishomaru, essentially he just didn't give a fuck about anybody and he was given Tensega essentially because uh, his dad wanted to teach Shishomaru uh, compassion and with Inuyasha it was like even though he was a half-breed and whatnot I think giving Inuyasha uh, Tensega was more like giving Inuyasha the strength that he needed to um, prove himself. But like you said, yeah, it does feel like a lot of things that Inuyasha had were just given to him compared to Shishomaru to where he had to earn his shit. And what I do respect about Shishomaru is about how if he didn't want to fuck with you, he's not going to fuck with you. In fact, I can imagine, mm -hmm. uh, like, my thing is, uh, this just a um, scenario if I was in his clique and somebody else wanted to join the group, I'll look to Shishomaru as like, hey man, you want him in the gun group? And he'll probably like walk away and I'll just look at the dude as like, that's going to be a no dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Shishomaru, he he's like, he's the, he's the type of person that be in a party and you just like, he just got to feel the vibes. If the vibe's not hitting, Shishomaru's not going to fuck with you. That's it. Whereas in Yasha, yeah, it's, it's like, like he played the tough persona, persona, but eventually you're going to join his crew. Either you're going to join the main crew or you're just going to be a buddy in the sidelines. Either way, you, he's still going to be cool with you. <laughs> Let's be real. Inuyasha was like one of the original male tsundere in the anime universe. So yeah. it's like he'll put on an act, but really he'll have like more compassion for you than Shishomaru. Like Shishomaru, like he's 
like the real deal like he don't give a fuck like he's so savage he kind of reminds me of well even though this is like unrelated but i was thinking about it earlier i forgot the name of the anime but essentially there was this uh hot well no, not hot tub but more like a steam room kind of scene in an anime where uh there was this lieutenant and there was this girl that kind of liked the lieutenant i guess and then just circumstances the girl showed up right in front of his face fully naked and the dude bruh the dude said lose some weight and she just went white (laughs) and and that's the thing it was like she was fairly thin but he just looked at her like real cold like no real emotion or anything he just looked at her for like a hot second and was like lose some weight i was like whoa yo i think i know what you're talking about was it a comedy i think so i think i know because i had a dvd for that and that shit is hilarious because of how serious the main character is like he doesn't give a fuck about (laughs) anything long as he gets the mission done that's it (laughs) everything else that is his that is his energy (laughs) right there Yes, Shoru definitely give me those vibes. As Inuyasha, he plays the tough persona, persona, but in actuality, he's like, "Yeah, you're all right," <laughs> and just keep it pushing. Yeah. But I think um, Inuyasha's dad gave him Inuyasha the sword not just because of you know to prove himself and stuff like that, but also survival, because with half breeds. Especially when the full moon comes out, they can be pretty vulnerable. So he right. needs something to like protect himself. So it's basically more of a survival thing than combating Shoshomaru's thing, where it's like learning compassion. And Yasu is just learning to survive. Especially right. And in fact, the the anime does make a point to uh, say that now that we mention it, like you know, every time on a new moon. Uh, Inuyasha's hair would go black and he's just like fully human up until uh, daytime and that means anybody who has a bone to pick with Inuyasha can be like oh well he has a handicap now let's go kill him now and then thank god for his friends because if his friends wasn't around then he probably would have died and there were like multiple times when Inuyasha could have died but you know plot convenience but what can I say it's It's like it's funny about that too it's just like most of his friends could actually beat Inuyasha in a fight if Inuyasha was by himself so I'm just like yeah most of his friends could kick his ass but the fact that they they make make, uh, Inuyasha to be this tough guy, to be to be the strongest fighter in the series. It's just like, bruh, all of his friends could beat his ass <laughs> if they wanted to <laughs> in a fight. And it was actually an episode with Sango and Inyasha was duking it out. And she was giving him hands. She had no powers or anything. Inyasha didn't know nothing about his Tensai, but he was just swinging around and shit. And she beat his ass. <laughs> and literally right. took his friends to come in and and stop it. <laughs> Pretty sure Moroku was able to juke him and trick him and all that shit with the talismans and whatnot. So it was almost like Moroku can keep his composure well enough to where he can outsmart Inuyasha. But the thing is, my man's didn't know what a fucking bike was 
And he just, he just <laughs> dusted him with the bike, took Kagome with him and everything. I'm like, yo, what is going on? <laughs> he's just sitting there cruising on that bike, like, bing, bing, and he's just driving away. I'm just like, yo, he does not know what this is. And he just figured it out just like that. And I'm sitting here like, I was just telling Kelly, this dude is 18 years old. I'm like, I mean, by 18 years old, you would think, yeah, he should know how to ride a bike. But that's just the problem. They, It's almost like, okay, it makes sense for Moroku to be old enough to ride a bike. But you're forgetting that this is Sengoku period Japan. He shouldn't even know what a bike is. Exactly, but he picked it up to the point where just like he didn't see Kagome ride the bike or anything like that. He just naturally knew how to ride a bike. And I'm just like, wait, this device doesn't even exist in your timeline yet. <laughs> he just he just broke physics just now. Like, what is going on? <laughs> that is a good point. Yeah. Like it's funny because with the series it does have its plot holes where there's just some things about it that just doesn't make any sense. But in a way, I can say I can gloss over it to where it's one of those classics to where if you would recommend anime to anybody, uh, Inuyasha will definitely be high up there. Definitely. Uh, speaking of relationships, how would you feel about the whole thing with I'm not going to say Inuyasha and Kagome and Kikyo because honestly, that's just in and of itself is self-explanatory what was going on with all that shit. Where it's toxic. Like, purely toxic. Yeah. And especially, yeah. you only pick Kagome because his his main chick dies. So he's just like, well, I just I got the side chick. She looks just like her. She's a reincarnation. So I'm just going to pick this one. And on top of that, this series built it up to that point anyway for Gagome and Inuyasha to be together since day one. But it took Kikyo dying for him to realize, oh shit, I actually do care for Gagome. Which he did care for (laughs) Gagome, but at the same time, every time Kikyo came around the corner, he forgets Gagome even exists. He would just come running to Kikyo. And Kikyo's looking like, yeah, know your place, bitch. (laughs) While Gagome's on the corner just salty. Now, but see, there's another relationship. There's another relationship that I want to explore upon, but just to expand on what you were just saying, yes, toxic. Because just imagine, like, imagine dating a dude that is still in love with his ex, and funny enough, you kind of look just like his ex, not like scarily accurate, but it's more like. I just kind of see my ex in you, so I'm going to date you for now just to kind of get over it. But as soon as the ex comes back, then something's going on. So Honestly, personality-wise, Kagome was more spunky than Kikyo. Kikyo right. just seems so lifeless and stuff like that. It is just like, obviously, this is a, a character... This is a hey, this character is gonna die, so it doesn't mean so it doesn't really mean anything personality wise or anything like that. Like, she was just like, when you put those two side by side, it's like Nurse Joy and freaking Officer Jenny, like side by side. (laughs) So it's just like Kagome obviously had a bit more personality and stuff like that, and was able to deal with a lot more shit compared to any other female I've ever seen. Like, 
Inuyasha dusted her for her ex. He pretty much disrespects her in front of her friends sometimes. Like, he would say some off-the-cuff shit, and Nikogome would just, all you think she would say is sit, boy. And there's times where she don't do it, and she just sit there. And I'm just like, girl, are you going to check him? <laughs> He's just like, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> and it's just like, Inuyasha's just extremely disrespectful. I'm surprised she even stuck it out with him for this long. Not just because the whole thing with the sacred jewel is she had to help him out. She technically don't have to. <laughs> right. you think about it, if she was just able to go back and forth to the past at will. It's just that knowing in Nyasha, he would have bugged the fuck out of her. Like as if they had sm- smartphones back in that day, he would have blew up her phone until Kagome came outside to like, you know, <laughs> to go help him out. So either way, she was stuck with him. But Kagome toler- tolerated a lot of stuff. And no, I'm just, no, no. Uh, yeah, she's, she's MVP worthy. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Just imagine, like, now that you said that, just imagine, like, Kagome and Inuyasha get into this fight over something completely uh, unrelated. Then, next thing you know, Kagome decides to go back into the present time to get some space from Inuyasha. Inuyasha shows up at her house, like, uh, hey, so we're going to have to um, fight this demon and I'm going to need your help. And I was like, do you not remember what we uh, just talked about the last time? And Yo. they just get through all this um, bullshit. And then Inuyasha just gone, like, in the end, Inuyasha's gonna do that uh, fuckboy shit where he's just gonna have his hands up, like, so you're not gonna help me? <laughs> Bro, he makes his show, he makes freaking Moroku look like a saint compared to him. And Moroku just be out there hoeing while Sango's sitting right there. But, like, if no. Moroku had to check you and be like, Yo, dude, you gotta chill the fuck out. There's something wrong even with Shippo, <laughs> even, even if Shippo got to get in there and be like, hey, man, you are fucking up as a man. <laughs> and he do, though. It's just like, Inuyasha is the ultimate fuckboy. <laughs> like, now, like, hold on. Now you brought all this shit up. I'm like, I got another one. Because to be perfectly honest, there's like four toxic relationships playing out in this uh anime like the second one yeah i want to talk about moroku and sango um right now how it was like yeah moroku just keep on uh going up to all these random women that uh he finds attractive and being like yo so you want to bear my children and i'm like yo bro you don't lead with that man like <laughs> way too forward <laughs> Yeah, Kagome did a real bit like, yo, what are you doing? Your girl is right there. And he's like, oh, shit. I'm like, but we're not technically together, though. It's like, we're, we're not official. There's no labels on our relationship. I mean, I like, tucking, I like touching her ass, but that's about it. <laughs> but after a while, though, Moroku calmed down a lot after they got together. But it wasn't True. like a... It was like a, oh, when all this is over, we can just, you know, settle down and have a family. So he calmed down a lot after they got together. But before that, yeah, Baroque did not give a fuck. Sango would be sitting right <laughs> next to him. <laughs> he would just be oh, talking to like, another girl. Let me tell you, like, one of my favorite moments. One of my favorite moments with Moroku and Sango was that one episode where uh, Sango, Shippo, and Kagome turned invisible. 
and Maroka was going around, hoeing around with all the women, and turns out that the invisibility spell uh, wore off before uh, Songo approached him, and Songo was just standing there with his dead look in her eye, just watching him, and Maroku was looking dead at her, can tell that he's in big trouble, and then he was like, I'm sorry, Sungo, don't please forgive me, and then Sungo was like, wait, you can see me? (laughs) (laughs) That was the true definition, like, yo, I'm gonna catch my man's trip, like, slipping, like, hard body. (laughs) I caught you in 4K. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she had front row seats <laughs> catching this man slipping <laughs> oh god man. but, but they're my favorite I've... couple though <laughs> Sago be definitely holding, holding him down and stuff like that and especially there was one episode where there's like another dude that was like feeling Sango and Moroku unlike Sango he was just like he was jealous no cap but he was like at the end of the day i'm not gonna stand in the way of your happiness so he was more of like a humble man compared to like any other dude in the series right like Inuyasha would have came to with koga knowing damn well koga don't have a chance (laughs) jump in and try to be like yo that's my girl back up and it's just like since when (laughs) <laughs> and then you guys would just sit there and be like, well, uh, 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 we, we, we did talk about it, but uh, and it's just like, uh, exactly. <laughs> She's mine for now. <laughs> just I'm like, like, you pulled the arrow out of the tree, right? But in a but, way, Koga wasn't wrong, though. He's tech, they te- he technically did not claim her until later on down the series. Like, final act was what he officially claimed her. But other than that, it was just like Idiyasha knew he had feelings for, for Kagome, but every time Kikio came around, he forgot about Kagome's existence. And it came right. to the point where even Kagome pointed it out, and Idiyasha just sat there quiet because <laughs> he knew that he fucked up. Shit, you got me there. <laughs> but nah, now that you mentioned that, uh, let's talk about Koga a little bit. Now, we know Koga been after Kagome, like, since day one but then there was this moment where this red-headed girl from his same tribe uh, ayame showed up and she was like but you promised that we would get engaged and get married and koga was like wait i did and it was like bro like so basically it's like one of those anime tropes where dude forgets that he promised another girl that they would get married and then run around and fall catch feelings for another girl forgetting the promise that he has so i'm like dude like you are fucking up as a man i mean he fulfilled it at the end because he had no other yeah. choice because kagome is like she made it she made it known like yo this is my hubby so you need to find somebody else <laughs> and it right. took Koga a minute for it to register, but after a while, he got the message, and he had no other choice but to pick up Ayame, and just Ayame is just sitting on the sidelines, waiting for him to, like, you know, come around to his senses. That's the type of girl I, Ayame was, and it's just, like, more of the story, but it came to her. Eventually, that dude would say, yeah, but you gotta wait for him to come around. 
I'll just keep chasing them other girls. You'll be you always be number one. <laughs> right. Now, here's my thing. This is the worst relationship. Not not the one with Koga and Ayame and uh, Kagome. No, 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 no. Now, my thing is this relationship I'm about to talk about. When it comes to toxicity, this is worse than Inyasha with Kagome and the Kikyo triangle. This is worse than Moroku hoeing around behind Songo's back. This is worse than Koga forgetting that he was already engaged to another girl. I want to talk about the relationship between Kikyo and Naraku. Now, I talked yeah. about this with Callie, but hold on. So you're telling me this entire plot happened because this bandit that got injured and was stuck in a cave caught feelings for this priestess and because oh I already have a boyfriend I can't date you and this dude was like the girl that I like didn't like me fuck her fuck everything uh, and then the spider demon showed up as like you want power I'll give you power so basically all those <laughs> demons seeped into him and then Oniguno was reinvented as Naraku and that is literally the villain origin story of a dude that's feeling some type of way about getting rejected by a girl and I feel like that's like one of the most incel things I've ever seen and we just glanced by that like it was nothing I was like bro so you're telling me that the big bad villain the main reason why he was fucking over with Moroku, Sango uh, Inuyasha, all these different people because the girl he liked turned out to already have a boyfriend and he feels some type of way about it yep he's a pure definition of a quote unquote nice guy and when I found that out in final act I'm like you gotta be shitting me like and Sango Moroku had nothing to do with this and he decided you know what I'm just gonna be a dickhead and fuck up everybody's life everybody's <laughs> life everybody's life everybody gonna get these hands regardless of whether or not he was involved in this situation that i'm just like really naraku you are that petty <laughs> like how you could be that petty to the point like you killed an entire demon slayer clan because a woman that because of the woman that you wanted to be with had another boyfriend you curse an entire monk thing like whoever was related to Moroku it would pass down to his sons fathers uncles cousins all those other people affected them with the wind tunnel because the girl that you like had somebody else (laughs) then kill both of them (laughs) he kills he technically killed Inuyasha in a way because of the fact that he he put he, he he turned them against each other to the point where he had Kikyo dying in a fire. You had one another one pinned to the tree for fifty years because technically Inuyasha's fifty. Yeah. All because she had a man. So you decided to take it upon yourself and kill both of them <laughs> and everybody else that was in your path. You gotta be kidding me he's the he's the most pettiest villain i have ever seen 
Now, see, here's my thing. I had respect for Naraku as far as the well he planned shit out with the incarnations and all that. So I felt like he had like Eisen level uh, planning and all that, like contingencies, like Batman. But I just cannot respect that villain origin story to where I'm like, so all this kicked off because of this? Like, no, like, it's almost like, I'm sorry, but you lost a lot of respect points. Like, I even considered maybe you being like a top 50 villain, but like, just for your motive alone, just baffles me. Like, just, I'm sorry, but it just be like that. Like, let's be honest. Like, um, there were times when I would, um, try to shoot my shot with women and when it didn't work out, yeah, it stung, but ultimately I had to accept it because it's not going to be a good look if I get all mad that, oh, uh, well, what's wrong with me? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, it's more like she likes you, but she just don't like you enough to want to be in a relationship with you. And that should be fair. I mean, if you really like her, you should respect her decision to want to date whoever she wants, right? So, like, if anything, it's like, yeah, it's going to sting, but, you know, just uh, accept it with grace and, you know, at least she'll still maybe like you as a friend. Uh, I mean, I know a bunch of dudes is like, eh, I don't really fuck with having females for friends. And I'm like, well, I can't really agree with that. Like, I just don't want to live in a world where I'm not supposed to be friends with uh, women because, <laughs> shit, that would really feel weird because, you know, it's almost as if I can't even talk to a woman without the implication that I want to be more than just friends. Like, no, that just... Yeah. I, Toxic masculinity at its finest. <laughs> yeah. I just don't fuck with that. So, hell, that, like, with, between you like, and some of the others, I'm like, that would definitely, like, handicap my podcast to where I'm like, oh, I can't talk to other women on the podcast. Let's, I, there's some implication. Like, no. Right. I don't know. It's just more of, like, how you go to understand the opposite sex if you don't had them as friends or whatever to where you have different perspectives like how to treat women properly same thing vice versa how you're able to understand how to treat a man properly if you're not cool with any dudes without any sexual implications because there's most dudes that feel as though for some reason you can't be friends with females because you know you got to hit it and quit and it's just like but why <laughs> why does it have to be that way it uh, like, see, it's just basically saying that, oh, basically, you just use women for sex, and when you're done with them, you're just done with them. I'm like, that doesn't sit right with me, bro. I'm sorry, it don't. Yeah. It just don't. I, I don't like the idea of me using people, like, honestly, like, uh, I'm not, I'm just not that selfish, really. I'm like, I just can't, I don't have the heart for that shit, like, that's just cold. But, huh, you know, uh, I hate to say this, but some, not, hey, that's why I'm kind of glad I have female friends because give me some perspective to where they're not all the same. So I really do believe they're not all the same, but I will admit there are some that is a bad example of enabling shit like this. So I'm just like, no, that's well, true. to each their own. I'm saying like know. to each their own. I'm, I'm staying out of that. 
I'm just just staying out of that area. For for females, it's really hard for them to be friends with guys because just as you stated, they have the mentalities. It's like, oh, they want to use women for sex and that's it. And I'm just like, you can't be friends with a guy with that sort of mentality that their true motive is just hit it and quit. And it's just like, why can't you just be friends with a person? Even if whether or not there's supposed to be a romantic implication there, it shouldn't have to result to, hey, I just want to get you in the bedroom and that's it. And it's just like, no, the main thing of how relationships, you know, start off. And it's just like, despite the toxic relationships in Inuyasha, majority, if not all of them, started off as friendships because, you know, and Yasha Kagome, it took them a long time for them to develop feelings because they spent time together as friends. Right. Same thing with Moroku. Despite the Moroku chasing every girl in town, every town that they come across, he spent time with Sango. He got to know Sango before, you know, tying a knot with her eventually in final act. So it was a lot of that. But when it comes down to Kikyo Arigumo, I feel as though it just like, it could have been something there, but even if the, I'm just saying, like, if she wasn't with Inuyasha, it could have been. Right. But at the same time, though, because of the fact that he was abandoned, and no, not abandoned, he was abandoned before <laughs> he became this Naraku person that we know, that would have been looked upon, that looked down upon throughout the whole village. Akuda, her sister, would have gave her the same guy. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, girl, what are you doing? That's you sus. Know, like you yeah that's sus and it's just like bad enough to get out the, the look for Inuyasha but the difference between Inuyasha and Naraku is that despite both of them being fuckboys at least Inuyasha is not going to go out of his way to make everybody's life miserable because of the fact that he didn't get the girl that he wanted Inuyasha only right. felt some type of way after the fact because he's like yo this girl betrayed me she did I try to shoot me and kill me <laughs> like <laughs> Any other dude would have felt the type of way of a girl that you that you was in love with try to kill you. You'd be like, "Yo, fuck this trick. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go off and do my own thing." And that was the reason why he wanted to be a full demon in the first place. And originally, he wanted to be a human to be with Kikyo, mm-hmm. but it just like after the whole thing with the betrayal, he's like, "Oh nah, screw that. <laughs> I'm just gonna be a full <laughs> demon." <laughs> I'm going to be a full demon because I can't trust these humans. These humans ain't loyal. <laughs> but it's just like, <laughs> after a while, it's just like, it took everybody else that he, that he grew up bonded, connected with, that made him calm down and learn to accept himself for who he is. And that's what made Kagome's and Inuyasha's relationship better than Kikyo's and Inuyasha's, in my opinion. Because... Right. Inuyasha was willing to sacrifice his other half of himself, the demon part of himself, because he wanted to satisfy Kikyo, whereas Kagome was willing to accept him regardless of how he is. She didn't want him to change. She didn't want him to be a full-on human for her. No. She's like, yo, I love you for you. Whereas Kikyo was willing to, like, give him the 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 um the Shikon Jewel Shard to turn him human because she was highly respected in 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 the village and stuff like that. So it was more like a reputation thing with her and Inuyasha. Whereas Kagome and Inuyasha, it just felt like a genuine connection. 
Right. So just like I'm glad that Inuyasha didn't end up with Kikyo. Cause first of all, the bitch is dead. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just like that that is a one done deal. Hey. And Inuyasha is willing to sacrifice himself to be with her and just like, bro, you making all these sacrifices for her, but what is she doing for you? Like, other than yes, she was nice to you and all that, but she was willing, she was gonna give the Shikon jewel shard and just be like, he says, I'm gonna be full human. She's like, okay, babe. And she was gonna give it to him. I'm just like, no, (laughs) have a woman respect you for you. Don't you don't need to change yourself for any woman. And that's where Kagome steps in and lets him be himself. Right. I feel so. that. I definitely feel that. But uh, yo, it was funny with Inuyasha and Kikyo. I was thinking of, it's not exactly a meme, but it is a saying that's going around. It's like sometimes God uh, brings an ex back in your life just to see if you're still stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was stupid. I yeah. mean, he was more stupid with a kid of humans because. Kikio was the reason why he was on a whole human hate train. But <laughs> despite how he felt in the end, he did still love her. It was like, yo, Kikio could have cheated on him and all that shit. <laughs> and and Yasha would have still would have been stuck and stupid for her because why? She had that effect on him. <laughs> mm. Like she was she was this kind soul or whatever that he spent with her, he spent time with her, whatever, he got to know her, and he was just feeling her. So, Kikio was that chick to him. <laughs> and then Kagome couldn't be measured up until it took for her to die to get the guy that she wanted. That's how bad it was. <laughs> like, Kikio <laughs> was that bad. <laughs> Bruh, like, Honestly, I can't even say I even care for Kikyo, honestly. Like, I just felt like Kikyo, she was like this spirit of vengeance trying to uh, kill Naraku for trying to trick uh, her and Inuyasha. But at the same time, she was also vengeful to uh, Inuyasha, even though Inuyasha tried to explain, like, yo, I wasn't even there when that happened, when you got attacked. Like... I know, like, some imposter might have done it, but, you know, they try to piece it together. Oh, so that was the Raku basically trying to uh, instigate something between us. But it was almost like for a hot minute, Kikyo was just not hearing it, where she was like, I hate you, Inuyasha. And Inuyasha's like, but I still love you. And Kagome's like, what the fuck? I'm right here. That's why I kind of feel bad for the girl, man. It's just like, girl, she tolerates so much shit. More so to the point where she befriended his ex. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, yo, you are the most compromising female I have ever seen in this series. Hey, Kikyo, can you... Hey, Kikyo, can you teach me how to be more like you? And Kikyo's like, bitch, you are literally my reincarnation. (laughs) What can I teach you? She was like, girl, get these arrows. We gonna put you. I'm gonna make a priestess out of you, okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, what is going No, I'll be like, on? oh Shang from Mulan was like, uh miss it. I'll make a priestess out of you. 
had a they had a whole trainer by Charles and everything going with her in the arrows. <laughs> like, yo, what am I watching? And it's just like after the fact that Kikio found out that Inuyasha wasn't a culprit and it was the Raku. She still was vengeful towards him because of the fact that Gagome was right there. She was like, listen, I'm back. This chick don't mean nothing to me. To 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 me, I don't care what you feel about her. But I'm back in the picture. You could come back with me to hell, okay? And he, I was dead. I was going to go to hell with her. And Kagome's like, yep, no, no, you got too much to live for. What are you doing? <laughs> and it took Iyasha a while to like realize, okay, as much as I love Kikio, yeah, I gotta enjoy life. <laughs> It took another girl to whisper in his ear, yo, don't do this. For him to be like, I mean, okay. <laughs> it's funny because the sad thing is, like, Inuyasha was ready to die for uh, much less. Like, honestly, that one episode where he thought uh, his mother was still alive and she tried to drag him to hell and Inuyasha was this close to being dead. And I was like, bro, it it doesn't take much to trick Inuyasha. Like, uh, that's it the is sad the, part. That's the human side of him because of, and that's what makes him a sooner is because of the fact that unlike Shishomaru, who's purely cold-blooded because of his demon nature, Inuyasha, because of his human side, he's more compassionate than Chishamaru, which is the reason why he could be vulnerable to any little thing, despite him playing a tough guy persona. So, yeah. And it's funny because I was telling a friend of mine uh, a few days ago that a, a vulnerable person is the strongest person in the room. Like, yeah. I mean, by... There is still such thing as TMI, but all I'm saying is, just like what you were saying earlier, don't be afraid to be yourself. Like, uh, if you're going to be anything, at least be genuine about who you are. Like, and the best part is, like, I'm not even, Suki, I'm not even trying to flex, honestly. I, I found this baffling in my experience. I was the type of kid growing up where I just, didn't fuck with girls that much. Like, I mean, I didn't mind being friends with them, but I just didn't fuck with them that much. I just felt like I didn't have much in common with them. So I'm just like kind of kept my distance unless I kind of connected to a way. But the funny thing is, sometimes girls will want to talk to me and I just give them like bare minimum responses. Like, eh, I'll just give you enough of an answer. And... I don't know how, but at some point by junior, senior year, it got to a point where there was a, like a lot of girls trying to talk to me and shit. And I'm just, and then there's dudes that was like coming at me saying like, bro, how are you doing this, man? How are you pulling all these women? And I'm just sitting here like, I'm not doing shit. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm just minding my own goddamn business. But this is happening. So... I don't know what it is that I'm doing, but all I can say is that I'm just being myself. And that's literally it, I do. Like, just be genuine about who you are. And whoever is going to respond to that is going to respond to that. And if you're, exactly. if you feel like you have to chase after somebody, 
it's like what some people say. Uh, why are you chasing after something that's running away from you? Like that part yeah. doesn't make sense. So if anything, it's more like uh, be with someone that makes it fairly easy for you to get close to. So that way y'all can see if y'all are compatible in the long run. None of that whole. Yeah, like we're just going to fuck around until an X amount of time and then just uh, go our separate ways. Because personally, I just feel like if you're going to be in a serious relationship, you should be thinking long game. And that's what I'm kind of about to where I'm like, I'm trying to think, are you going to be good for me in the long run? Like, right. uh, can I more importantly, um, like I told one of my friends, like I'm more about the companionship, anything like sex is good and all, but bro, if I can't even have a conversation with you outside the bedroom, I don't know how well we're going to work out because it just kind of feels like we're just sharing a house and yeah, we fuck around in the house. But other than that, we just kind of like roommates aside from that. And we just don't really like each other. We just, you know, just a convenience thing. No. Uh, yeah. It's like, it, and that's sad. Because, right. It is like, it's sad to say it. that's how the divorce rate is so high. It is because of the fact they focus mainly on the physical things than the emotional journey and the emotional and mental journey that it takes with the relationship as well. Like, sure, you could mm-hmm. be intimate in regards to like sexual preferences and all that other stuff, like the uh, desire and stuff like that. But if you don't make that person your friend first, before developing and getting to that point, then the relationship is not going to survive. And at that point, just as you say, you just roommates that you just happen to like share a bed with <laughs> along with bills and everything. And it's just like, you don't want that. You want that person to be your friend, <laughs> to be a best right. friend, lover, all the other shit, the whole package deal. And I feel as though most relationships these days be missing out on that. And if anything, Inuyasha, despite it having a lot of toxic relationships, is a prime example of people developing relationships by being friends with each other, doing a journey together before declaring a relationship. Right. And that's what all of these characters did. Most of these characters, like Kagome and Yasha, Moroku and Sango, all them, all these other characters, they developed a friendship first before they even got together and started a family or whatever. And I feel as though that's what's mi- missing in this day and age because it's all about the physical to these people, then the mental and emotional journey. Right. Like... Oh, man. Honestly, I'm not even trying to get too deep into it because I got another segment I got to do in just a few minutes. Uh, But, yeah, like, it's just funny with Inuyasha. Yeah, it may be Demon Slayer for 90s kids, but the main thing that I took away from Inuyasha was that sometimes at an early age, you can kind of tell what a toxic relationship looks like. But then again... What I always believed is becoming friends with them, uh, if anything. Like, see, that's what 
kind of pissed me off when um some people are like oh this is my girl this is my man and people don't like to use uh boyfriend or girlfriend anymore because it's almost as if the friend part of that has no meaning anymore so in other words it's more like um she's with him because of uh, what he can provide and he's with her because she makes him look good in comparison, like almost like uh, having this hot chick on his arm, just give him more value as a man. And I feel like, honestly, that kind of feels like y'all just using each other for status boosting and all that. And once again, I'm not there for that. If anything, uh, any girl that I date, I would rather look at them as a lover, a friend, and potential business partner because you know me doing um the zone it's like gotta be kind of complimentary to what i'm trying to do here like i'm not exactly saying you have to work for me but at least make it convenient for me to do what i need to do yeah, at the very least true. And hey, Perfect. if you want to uh, have a hand in it and be like, hey, you want to like help me with the bookkeeping or whatever the case may be, I will be open to it. All I'm just saying is like it's got to be that compatibility, that synergy to where, like we just said, like I got to feel comfortable being myself with you. And if you're down with me trying to make things happen with this podcast, with the Patreon, blah, 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 then I would say yes. I feel like you will be good for me and good for me in the long run. But yes, right. you were saying, Suki? What I was going to say that every relationship, whether it's it's romantic relationships, family relationships, everybody has their own toxicity in, the, in a way. There's no such thing as a perfect relationship. Right. There's got to be at least some flaws within each relationship, but it has to be it's either the goods outweigh the the bad or the vice versa. If the goods outweigh the bad, then it's worth tolerating that toxicity. But it's like the bad outweighs the good, then you know to move away from that person. Because you know, if y'all not compatible, most of, if y'all not compatible, you can't be the self, you can't be yourself around that person because you have to complete a different sort of identity to be with that person, that is not it. And that's what, again, Inuyasha, the whole triangle with Inuyasha, Kagome, and Kikyo represents. Is like, is he, can he choose a girl that he has to change himself entirely to be with? Or does he have a girl that can, he can be himself, flaws and all around? Right. And I feel as though Kagome and Inuyasha was more compatible because of what I explained previously. He could be himself versus Kikyo and Inuyasha because Kikyo was highly respected in the community. He was willing to come become a human just to be with her. And it's just like, right. I get it. You, you would love someone to the point you're willing to make sacrifices, but is those sacrifices worth it? Especially, it's just like, as a human... Inuyasha can't fight to save his life and he would have been hiding behind Kikyo the defendant versus Kagome and Inuyasha where she can fight side by side with him and if he if you know he happens to turn to a human she's willing to hold it down for him she's willing to fight and stuff like that despite Kagome not being much of a fighter 
and more of a supporter, but they can fight together, is what I'm saying. Right. Versus him being human, he would have been completely vulnerable to any demon attack, and Kiki would have been his superhero to come in, help, and provide, and all this other stuff, while Inuyasha is basically the house husband in the house. Like, yeah, he would have been had like some work some work field jobs or whatever that had, they had in that era. But at the end of the day, when it comes to demon fights, he would have been hiding in the house while Kikyo would have been doing her business. <laughs> right. He would try to fight, but his efforts would have been in vain. <laughs> yeah. So it's like I like how in a way with that relationship is like they kind of need each other, but not in a codependent kind of way because we don't want any codependence in relationships. But it's just more exactly. like um, they can kind of meet each other halfway on things. That's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And Kagome definitely meets Inuyasha halfway. Despite he be like, Kagome, go in. He's like, go hide. I'm going to go fight. She's like, nah. I got these arrows. We're going to fight together, motherfucker. <laughs> it's, it's me oh, or oh. nobody. And she's, <laughs> and she's he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> just jump on my back. <laughs> and they're just going in scrapping. Yeah, it's like, you can't just say that Kagoma is just this damsel in distress. It's like, she actually wants to fight if she has the arrows. Yo, speaking of which, Kagome nearly half helped to the point where she nearly killed Araku herself. And even Araku had to give her props. Like, yo, she nearly got me. Like, one <laughs> yeah. arrow. And this is before Kagome gained experience with the, with her Miko powers. Right. She was nearly ha- she nearly killed Araku at, at some point to the point where Naraku was running away from her. <laughs> and even no, though Nara- see. Hmm? No, see, that just reminds me because, uh, real quick, that moment when Goku and Piccolo was fighting Raditz, and then Goku, um, he burst out of the pod that Raditz um, trapped him in. Gohan did that headbutt on Raditz, and Raditz was so surprised because it was like, shit, that hurts. Like, holy shit, like, how, do, how the fuck? That's pretty much Naraku's reaction because with Gohan, it was like, we know how strong Gohan really is, but he was inexperienced, but he had all that raw potential already. So it's kind of like the same thing with Kagome to where uh, you may be inexperienced with the bow and arrow, but your potential to where you could have one shot at Naraku at one point if you had like your aim right. Exactly. And the thing is, obviously, in the manga, despite, you know, in the anime, they play Inuyasha, they play up Inuyasha to be this strong, this strong warrior, while Kagome is a strong priestess that's like the support type character and stuff like that. She was actually stronger than Inuyasha in the, in the manga, but because of the fact they wanted to make, built up Inuyasha in the anime, they nerfed Kagome a lot <laughs> to the point yeah. where most of the powers that she developed over throughout the series if you look at the manga and the anime side by side it's a completely different character she has the same personality and everything but in terms of like raw power they nerfed kagome a lot to build up in yasha so i'm just like damn where is all this potential especially all the upgrades and stuff that she could have had but 
Nah, they gave it all to Inuyasha. And even Inuyasha <laughs> had some up, some upgrades that was taken out. He was still pretty strong. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Kagome was honestly the most strongest character in the series. And it's just like, <laughs> when at one point, it's just like, what are you, whenever we get to the Yashihime thing, I know it may be a little bit too early, but even they keep oh, no, um, for the powers. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I was just going to mention that, just like I was telling uh, Kelly, that that's going to be pushed to December to give us some time to prepare. Okay, cool. Yeah. But, but yeah. She could go be strong when she really when she took the time out to actually develop those those powers. Could go any Nuraku was do was to, to um taking out all the big guns and throwing it at Kagome to make her vulnerable and stuff like that to like to the point where he was trying to like you know kill her off. He was not be focused on Inyasha anymore. He's like, nah, she's a threat. We need to kill her. <laughs> and Kagome <laughs> was not having it like. She was just like using the power of love and shit to like fucking do Machina X some some Machina X type shit to like break every little strategy that the Raku planned out for her. She just you know got rid of it, and she's like the second smartest character in the series aside from Moroku. Believe it or not, because yeah, Moroku was the really was the brains of the group. But when it came to strategy, Kagome was pretty decent too. When you really think about it, she she may not she may not be as strong as Sango when it comes to like physical physical damage, nor she's not as strong as Maroka when it comes to spirituality powers. But she could but she could hold her own, believe it or not. Yeah. True. 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 And yeah. Inuyasha picked the right one, even though the, the <laughs> plot forced him to pick Kagome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was that was the kind of thing to where we knew that they were going to be a thing. It's just that this whole will they, won't they thing um, got kind of little played out um, somewhere along the line. And that kind of yeah. reminds me of this... Uh, commercial that Adult Swim did back in the day to where uh, you know uh, Inuyasha and Kagome just calling each other's names like Inuyasha Kagome and it was it was funny because it was like when they did it for that commercial it was cute but then Rosary Vampire pretty much uh, replicated that same thing and did it in damn near every episode and then that got really old so you can yeah. kind of appreciate with uh, Inuyasha the series that with Inuyasha and Kagome it's like one of those relationships that kind of sets the tone for a lot of romance in other anime like uh, it's almost like they are like a golden example of a trope that's going to be used many times over throughout other and for good reason because of the fact that those two complement each other personality and everything like when it came again when it came side by side with him him and kikyo versus him and kagome how he was with kikyo he was just content and stuff like that 
but it's just with Kagome and Iyasha, it's like regular couple shit. They bounce off each other back and forth with quirky remarks and stuff. And that's what made their relationship work. Right. Where it's just like, speaking of Rosario Vampire, it's just like sidetracking so, um, with Sakade and Mocha. It's just like the same. I feel as though they're Idiyasha and Kikyo in a nutshell. <laughs> but it's just because Moku uh, is freaking the main character. She's pretty much OP. She's the strongest monster in the freaking school to the point where mm-hmm. even if people try to scrap and throw hands with her, she would pretty much defeat them with, within a few minutes. And it took him, it took her to bite Sakade for him to even develop the strong powers and he becomes stronger than her thanks to him being a ghoul all of a sudden. And it's just like, it's supposed to be stronger because he's a man, so he's going to be stronger than a female. It's just like, what? This chick was born uh, with these powers most of her life. And I'm just like, what do you mean? <laughs> Where it's just like, this guy just got bit and he developed those powers. So I was just like, that's kind of stupid. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, first of all, you would think, like, why would the vampire make the ghoul the uh henchman you can say stronger than the master that doesn't make sense and then essentially you just made skune look like a male mary sue and like i'm sorry but i'm not here for that it's like um if anything it was more like skune felt like he was almost like a moral compass for mocha but at the same time, when it came to combat, it was like he was next to useless until he became a ghoul. So it was like, why is he even there? Like, I just felt like he just being a hindrance more than anything. Uh, well, except that for some reason that, yeah, I forgot why, man. I know I'm going to do a review on Rosary Vampire anyways, but... Uh, the main use is that he's able to yank that rosary off of uh, Mocha to unleash her power. So that's like the main thing that he's there for. But enough about all that. Uh, I need Boy, to yeah. get a, another segment going. So uh, we're just going to cut it right there. Uh, Suki, I do thank you for being on with me because this was a very good segment. Like I thought it was gonna be uh, at least thirty minutes, but it's an hour. Because Inuyasha is a long series, so you is just like it's True. a lot to cover. Especially you got a whole bunch of characters. Each of them have like their special, unique quirks to them that is just like it's hard to ignore. And especially when growing up, that was one of my childhood animes that I would sit there. I would not mind watching over and over again. But too bad I can't say for a sequel, which we're going to dive into like another time. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, with that said, Suki, until the Yashihime review or anything else that comes up, I will let you know. And let's just go ahead and get to this next segment with Kokigatsu. And we're going to go ahead and wrap up the Inuyasha review. So sit tight, everybody listening, and we're going to be just about done. Amir Music.
Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is the final segment of the Inuyasha Review, and this time we have my friend Kokugasu joining me today. How are you doing today? And I am alive. <clears throat> doing the best that I can and moving forward with everything. I don't know how to really phrase that, but yeah, that's okay. I'm doing okay. <laughs> good, good. Well, Kokugasu, I just got a few questions for you about this series, and I'll let you be on your way. Uh, for starters, what is it about this uh, anime manga that you like? Alright, so I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Inuyasha is the first anime that I've ever watched to its completion. Okay? The <laughs> first one. Watched the completion. Of course, I have Tsunami to thank for that because let's be honest, man. There's been a lot of anime shows that popped up on Tsunami, but not all of them got to complete like, we kept getting jump segments of Sailor Moon. I think it was like a whole segment of Sailor Moon that never aired on Tsunami. Um, I yeah, love the last arc. Yeah, and then like, you know, Eureka 7, I love that, but then it also got cut short. You had to find it online. So, me not having, growing up not having internet for most of my life, it was very difficult. But, finally got that opportunity to be like, hey, I finally finished my very first anime. And it was <laughs> short as hell. That thing was long as motherfucking god. It was long as hell. But it was good. Like you enjoy the fillers, you enjoy the main segment. It was a really good series. I, I really do like about it. So um and of course the animation, especially for like early, early nineties, late eighties animations that we have for anime, that's like all the personally to me is still the best. I like the old animation than I do the new. Not saying I don't like the new one at all, but there's a lot of CGI. And yeah. CGI sometimes kind of takes away from it. I'm an artist. I love seeing all the detailed art. That's what I love to see. So it's kind of my thing. All right. <laughs> I can respect that, definitely. And uh, any favorite characters amongst the batch that you want to mention? Just me. Shishomaru is like my favorite character. <laughs> I don't know. This is the weirdest thing. So uh, this is gonna. I don't. I don't really don't know exactly how to explain this. Okay. So I am the youngest main brother. So when I, uh, the reason I say main, I mean main based upon my particular thing. So my dad has another son after me. Was with a different, you know, for a whole separate marriage after me. After um, you know, mom didn't. You know, didn't last. So, I have a younger brother. However, I don't, <clears throat> I don't fully know him like that. Never got a chance to really just kind of sit down with him and talk to him. I've talked to him a little bit on the phone, we text, but that's about it. So, I'm essentially the youngest brother. Yeah, for some bizarre reason, my favorite character is the older brother. <laughs> <laughs> don't quite understand that. <laughs> you would figure I relate more than Yasha, but no. I think what's the show rule for me it was his attitude was that he knew what he wanted. And exactly. That that was like a big thing for me. And plus also considering the fact like unlike he was an unlikely dynamic character. Like you, you really thought he was gonna be really static. Like you really thought he was just gonna be in his way, that's it. The final battle is gonna be Inuyasha versus Shishomaru is gonna duke it out. We're finally gonna see. Who of uh, who is this Titan's best son? You know, going back, Devil May Cry, bro. Dante versus Virgil. <laughs> who is the <laughs> who is the strongest? We're about to do this right now. Who is the best son? 
And, you know, you you slowly start seeing him change. And it's one of those things that, like, some of the changes that he has is unexpected. There are some that was unexpected. Like, mm-hmm. you say, human being. You would never expect that. He absolutely hates humans. <laughs> and then it's like, whoa, right. wait. And it felt like a, where did this come from? But when you really actually pay attention to the story, you can see, like, you pay attention to his character arcs when they actually show those segments and understanding that, crazily enough, like, I think two, only like two of the movies is technically canon. So, I mean, all the movies technically have, like, some part of the story that they, they can be argued as canon. Only two is, like, guaranteed canon. And so when you understand how he is in those moments, you can see how he became who he became. And you're like, okay, I now can understand how he came to the point of, I just saved a human. Now, I know we ain't talking about Yashahime, but him mating with the human <laughs> was a whole different thing I was not expecting. But we're not yeah, talking about because- <laughs> yeah, like I had a whole thing with Callie about that in her segment to where, yeah, Reen was of age when that happened. But the weirdest part of it all is that with Shishomaru, how he felt about humans and even half-breeds like Inuyasha, you would think uh, he would never mate with a human, but here we are. True. Plus, also, what made it most disturbing... Like, I can't remember who it was. I think I don't think it was Bill Gates, but I remember it was a really rich guy who adopted a who adopted a little girl, raised that little girl, and pretty much is what Shoma does with Red, raises this little girl, and then when she becomes of age, says, "Hey, let's have a baby together." I don't know. This is it does not sit very well with me. I'm like, you just you just had a child with your child. Hold on a second. That is not right. <laughs> This is not right. Oh, wait. I know who you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, you, you see you see those parallels. You're like, <laughs> there's those moments you're like, wait a minute. This isn't right. No. I think that was the first thing that got me. When I first shared it, when I first shared who Yashihime really was, and they were like, oh, yeah, this is Shomaru's daughter. I'm like, oh, okay. Wait, wait, so Shomaru's daughter. And who? Ren. I'm like, who do you think? Excuse me, like, fuck. <laughs> what? I'm not ready for this. Wait a minute. <laughs> no, no, it's just weird. Yeah, and speaking of weird, like, we were talking about all the different relationships that were <laughs> in Yasha with uh, Suzuki Hobbs in the last segment. How. Honestly, bro, like Inuyasha, Kagome, and Kikyo, that triangle, uh, that was fuckery in and of itself. Uh, Moroku being a lecherous monk uh, behind Songo's back. Like, hell, even the thing where Koga forgot about his promise to Ayame, that redheaded uh, wolf girl, about their engagement, but Koga was running after Kagome. But nope, all those relationship is not as bad as the relationship between Kikyo and Naraku because essentially the entire plot was based on this crippled bandit named Onigumo getting rejected by the girl that he caught feelings for 
mainly because she already had a boyfriend and he was like, oh, well, the girl that uh, I love didn't love me back. So I'm going to become this bad boy. I'm going to get all this demon power and I'm going to make everybody suffer as a result. And I'm just like, bro, like I had like a whole lot of respect for you, the way you were planning shit out like Aizen uh, in the beginning. But once I found out about that origin story, I was like, you just lost some respect points for me, bro. <laughs> like, don't tell me that was the main reason. Ooh. Bro, I think, that, no, bro, like, for real. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I don't know, so this is one of the things about it. <laughs> it's one of those ones that, in Yasha, a lot of people have talked about the fact, anyway, that there's a lot of plot holes, inconsistencies, a lot of frustrations between them. Yes, we know that. <laughs> The main thing about it is, is that it's one of those ones that you're like, how can I put this plot together? Like, you, you understand there has to be some dynamic relationship between Naraku and Kikyo. There has to be something going on specifically for this dude needs to get the Kikyo on Jewel. He needs to get this Jewel. He needs to get all the shards after he's been shattered. He has to get it. And it's like, okay, it's more than just power. Because the real thing about it is we understand Kikyo was strong as fuck. Yes, we completely get that. But as strong as she is, it has been proven that she has a limit. There's only so much that she can handle at a certain point, even with her immense power. And she is the strongest priestess. She has been guarding this jewel for a long fucking time, but so has her ancestors. She is stronger. These demons have lived for a very long time. They don't necessarily get stronger just by lingering around. This isn't one of those, this is not vampires. <laughs> this is not like, oh, the older I am, the stronger I am. <laughs> no, I have to actually become stronger. I have to consume other demons and absorb their energy or consume humans and build my energy up to become stronger and shit. I can't just sit here and do nothing and become stronger and shit. So it's like, they. why is it that no demon has successfully gotten the jewel before Kikyo? Why is it that it's only successful now? Like, th- there has to be some points to kind of put into that. So when you have such this huge major buildup, you have this plot hole question that is majorly sitting here. Fans are asking this question. What's going on? How are you supposed to answer that? <laughs> and yeah, this relationship was probably the weakest response, but probably the fastest. And the reason I say this is because we understand the fact that a lot of these mangakas deal with so much shit all the time. <laughs> you have deadlines. You got to hurry up and get these stories out. You got to hurry up and do this. The fans are waiting. The publishers are waiting. If you don't miss it, and the publishers are, are threatening to drop you or threatening to cut your budget, all that type of shit. So you have to just come up with something last minute. Most of the time, and generally, it's going to be like you have to come up within within a week. You're stressing the fuck out. You're trying to get all this artwork done. You're trying to get everything in, especially if you don't have a, a back editor. If you don't have a secondary artist that's just as good as you are or draw similar that you do. And so they're not like fixing up things and trying to help things up. You're doing all the art yourself. You're doing the story yourself as well. You're going to panic. You're going to panic. There's a reason that a lot of animes, a lot of mangas, wind up having major plot holes, horrible fillers, and you know, weak ass stories sometimes. There's a reason for it. 
So I can kind of back up on this, especially during the 80s. It was very difficult. So I can back up on it. I understand that it was a frustrating time. But we're going to call the kettle black. It was a weak ass. <laughs> very weak ass plot. But me, yeah, it's what stresses that that he dealt that she dealt with. I'm gonna go ahead and say a better plot device would have been that he was a weak demon that has been trying to become stronger over time. Finally, got strong enough to get close enough to the Kikion Jewel. Managed to get to Kikion. Managed to like, you know, not necessarily woo her, but got her not favoritism, but sympathy. That's what I was saying. Got her sympathy. Instead of it making a love tale that was just over the top, just he got her sympathy, but then realized he still was not strong enough to get the jewel, but came closer than anyone else has ever come before because he got her sympathy. You know, before Yasha winds up getting even closer. And he just decides, I'm going to take advantage of this and, you know, disguise myself as Nyasha, attack her. And I realized that someone else was able to get closer than I was. And it's not a jealousy thing, but a power game. You know, all demons want yeah. to become powerful. That's just what it is. You stick with that storyline, we have nothing but absolute respect for him. At that moment, he's an un- he was an underdog who became top dog. Like, right. guaranteed. <laughs> That right there is a story that, like, yo, that, uh, mad respect. This dude started from the bottom, crawl. He was started crawling, and this nigga came out ruling. Like that shit would have been right on point, but that just exactly. wasn't. Exactly. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, let's just make it this tragic story of how the um crippled bandit didn't get the girl, so he just become the bad guy because life is unfair. I was like, bro. 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 <laughs> Anyways. Uh, how do you feel about Moroku and Sango's relationship? Because my thing is, what I like to talk about with uh, Callie and Suki in the previous segments is how with Moroku, like, of course, they didn't, like, officially hook up until later on into the series, but the mere fact that this dude would run around and touch his, um girls um butts and uh like right out of the gate, like he's kinda uh worse than Brock from Pokemon in my personal opinion to where at least with Brock it was like here's the thing, with Brock at least he hits you with like uh, some sort of one-liner that kind of sounds like, okay, he must have like stayed up all night or something like that to come up with that. Okay, at least the response is like different, like depending on the girl. But with Moroku, it's the same line every time, where it's like, uh, hi, would you like to bear my children? And I was like, yo, like, you really weak with that? I mean... <clears throat> He he's Twitter before Twitter became Twitter. I'll <laughs> <laughs> put it this way. There's no secret. I've already talked about this before. I have separate Twitter accounts. I have one that keeps up with news. Okay. And towards the time of recording, we wound up getting some very terrible news this morning, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Um, but 
I got two Twitter accounts, one for news and one for porn. Okay. Because I have one for porn, the most common line. Okay, you laugh at you just being honest. The most common. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's just. It is. It's one line, and it's only three words. Okay, and I see this line all the time. All of these explicit pictures. That I love the explicit pictures because obviously I'm a perv. I'm a guy, but my wife's also a perv too. She's looking over like, "What you looking at?" Ooh, that's just our relationship. But anyway. <clears throat> I'm so, sorry. Uh, I can just respect that uh, you're just so candid about it, like just <laughs> just put it out there. Very much. So very similar in that aspect. But the phrase is am I breedable? It's the oh. same thing. Damn near the same thing. Will you bear my children? Am I breedable? That's pretty much yes. That's a that's a guarantee. Like, look, that's the same thing. Am I breedable is Will you give me babies? That is literally what that phrase. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, no because I did hear about um how some people be having like breeding king sounds. Like, okay, I can kind of yeah. see that now. Exactly. So that's why I said he was Twitter before Twitter became Twitter. So, <laughs> and not and not Elon Musk take over Twitter. <laughs> it's a whole different Twitter right. now. Lord of mercy. But I'm just saying, like the porn side of Twitter, that's what he was straight up. That that's all it was. Every time he, every time I think about, every time I see this line, I think of him saying like, "Yes, will you bear my children?" Absolutely, that's what they're saying. <laughs> it's the same thing. That is exactly his energy. I will say, I don't compare him to Brock for two main reasons. One, like you said, yes, Brock has more swag. We're gonna be straightforward with that. He's got more class. He's got more swag. We know this. Second thing, Brock is respectable as fuck. Yes. You. Will Compare Brock to Sanji. Them two you will compare. Both are great cooks. Both of them will drop kick a motherfucker if you even dare try to harm a lady. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Straightforward that and they're respectable. They will look, they will definitely get all googly eyed, and you will not they, you will have to tell them my eyes are up here, and they'll be like, I know where your eyes are, but I know what I'm looking at. They're gonna be straightforward, <laughs> but they will not abuse you they will not just come up and, att- and attack you and talk and just like start touching on you and stuff that okay, is what fair, fair no. <laughs> okay he, you got me there yeah yeah he is fucking master roshi that's what the hell he is. he is master Ro- master yeah. roshi will start groping motherfuckers he is i forgot uh, forgive me i forgot his name because to me i i know that he has like really good character roles in the anime but just the um the dude with the purple balls in My Hero Academia. Oh, uh, Mineta. Yeah, he's him. As a matter of fact, there's a bunch of anime that you can compare to now because it's very common to have at least one character that's overly googly eyed and sexually assaults these girls. This this is very common. Don't you understand? Pepe Le Pew has already been canceled. <laughs> Bro. Nobody Bro, they wouldn't even let him have that one scene to explain why he can't be a part of the team in the sequel. It's like they couldn't even let him have that one scene to explain it. Like, no, he got to be completely scrubbed from this sequel, okay? Complete scene removed. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. So Pepe Le Pew has already been canceled, my dude. Which is saying 
bruh, bruh. <laughs> Why would you do this? Stop writing these characters. Stop writing these characters. It's not. Dude, can you imagine if any Yasha, like, see, here's the thing, because Yashihime came out, like, two years ago, so Moroku's not even in the main picture, um, for the most part, like, I need to rewatch Yashihime just to make sure, but pretty sure. He does show up, I think, in the second episode. No, he he shows up in the second episode because um their kid shows up. Him and Sandra's kid show up. Um, no, I know that, but I'm saying like he's not in the main spotlight like he used to be. No, no not at all. <clears throat> yeah, but that's just the thing. But imagine <laughs> if they remaster like um gave Inuyasha the Sailor Moon Crystal treatment and what? like reworked it, remastered it, and then they did the same thing. Like Moroku would have. He would not survive today's standards. Like, no, that is not gonna fly with him. Not at all. Not at all. This dude lived to sexually assault women. He sexually assaulted women and then said, "Will you bear my children?" That's not, how, bruh, bruh. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. It's not what's gonna happen. What is wrong with you? Slap. But as far as about the relationship, because that was the original question too. <laughs> as far as about the relationship, I am surprised. I'm putting in that aspect. Okay. She's already proven that she really can't. It's one of those ones that even when you get to the very end of Inuyasha, he doesn't necessarily change. Mm -hmm. He's still pretty much the same. So it gets confusing. And the reason I say that is because she she can't really control him. She can't make him stop. But he's never shown a reason to stop. So it becomes the question of, okay, do they just have open relationships? Or does she just smack him upside the head every time he gets googly out with another woman? It's just like, uh, don't forget what you got over here. Like, because there's not a little spotlight, and I understand the reason, especially for today's standards. I understand the reason, but because there's not, there's not really a full-on explanation. So the relationship to me seems un- like unbelievable a little bit. Like to me, it just feels like when well, you're dating a man who will constantly cheat on you, given the ch- given the opportunity, and you're just saying you're fine with it. Like, I don't know. I don't know. <clears throat> I can't say I back the relationship, <laughs> but I ain't seen enough to really say anything different than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What was the say? What was that one thing that was on famous? Start out that was famous before recently. Uh, he said, "So I cheat one time, I'm a cheater." Yeah, if I cut hair one time, that make me a barber. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Hold on, I can't. This is me personally. I don't necessarily back the relationship. I've I've been there. I have literally seen it happen. I've been on the inside of that circle and I've been on the outside of that circle. I just, I can't. Yeah. Can't on that. <laughs> yeah. If it works for them, it works for them. Just, I, I don't see. That's all I got. <laughs> I don't get it either, fam, like, honestly. But, um, not to get too much into that, but, you know, speaking of cheating, Let's talk about this uh, love triangle between Inuyasha, Kikyo, and Kagome. Because I'm like, Inuyasha, my dude, like, 
you know damn well that Kikio died. And I understand that she was like walking around, but she's practically a zombie. And I understand that y'all had like a whole lot of history and chemistry together. But the mere fact that Inuyasha was unable to let go of Kikyo, even though she was uh, well gone, even though, you know, she was like reanimated by that one witch. And it's like you had this thing with Kagome, too. But the funny thing is, is like the it's almost like in the beginning, the main reason why Inuyasha tolerates Kagome is because Kagome is Kikyo's uh, reincarnation, so it's almost like uh, he, Inuyasha kind of caught feelings for Kagome, even though it wasn't that obvious, because you remind me of my ex. Can you imagine that? Yeah, I can. And also just... Mm, mm. <laughs> that's, a diff- that's one of the ones that's just... It's one of those ones that I'm happy it's more so reincarnation. But no, it's not even just reincarnation. Technically, it's not just reincarnation. It's ancestry there, too. She's a great, 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 however, great grandma. Like, real shit. <laughs> just going to be straightforward on this. So, uh, well, not even grandma. Really great aunts. Because Kikyo never really had bore children, but her sister did. So, really great aunt. But still. It makes it worse. Well, no, like, because even if it's, like, a distant relationship, it's, like, still... Well, it's one of those I fuck within the family. That's it. <laughs> yeah. It's like when people like because believe me, both sides do it. It's when you're dating someone and you caught feeling for somebody in the family and it's not always like brother or the sister. It could be the mama, the daddy, the uncle, the aunt, cousin. Mm, I don't want to talk about that one. There was a whole nother video that surfaced on Twitter and Tumblr and shit. Oh, <laughs> I think you remember this. It was, a, it was a white girl that showed up and she was like, I want to talk about my family. And she wanted to talk about my, my uncle because <laughs> it was her grandfather. So her grandfather had a, you know, he, he and his wife was, of course, now ex wife, of course. Um, but him and his ex wife, you know, they had two kids together. And of their two kids, um, they had two boys, and then one son had got with a woman, and then that woman got with the grandfather. <laughs> and so they wound up having a kid, and then, of course, the, when the dude and the girl, before she had hooked up with his daddy, you know, the grandfather, and then, of course, he had a kid, and then so the grandfather wound up hooking up with the other son's wife and had a kid. And before, like, after, like, I think it's like even before, and because she, they found out they wanted to get divorced or something. And so, so literally, the grandfather then, then fucked not only his ex wife, he fucked his ex wife's best friend, he fucked both his son's daughter, um, both his son's um, wives, ex wives, and had kids with both of them, and then wound up fucking his grandchild and had a kid with the grandchild. He was like, Bro, what type of fucked up family tree is this? <laughs> the grandfather is in Yasha. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that whole web just broke my brain right there. I was like, that was a lot of shit that happened to where I'm just like, the family that falls together will stay together. 
But see, here's the thing, no. In in the Asha time, in the, in the medieval time period, that was fine because it was very common to stay within family to keep the bloodline pure. Regardless of how much people wound up having Down syndrome and having all these different type of medical problems that did not make them fit to rule, it was considered that the bloodline was pure. <laughs> pure fuckery is what it was. But that's <laughs> 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 what it was. <laughs> but... Um, but that was very common, you know, for medieval time periods. So when you look at that aspect, you can say, okay, I get it. Because that's just like in Yasha and during that time, that's common. You know, you fuck within the family to keep the bloodline pure and shit like that. That's that's cool. I'm behind it. You you are the reincarnation and the great, 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 however great niece of the woman that I fell in love with. So I see no reason why we can't do it. I'm just saying. Uh, I can understand it. Obviously, again, one of the things of looking at today's standards that would not fly <laughs> whatsoever. But if you look at it from those standards during that time period, you understand why it was considered norm. They didn't have good science. Yeah. Or good sensibility but <laughs> bro like i hate to say this because this reminds me of a post that i uh shared to the after dark zone um back when and we had it on facebook where you have that girl going uh for like a jog and it looked like she had down syndrome but she had like this nice ass on her and then dudes were uh, making all these jokes and shit and it's kind of funny because like when you think about it like from a genetic standpoint it's like I wonder where she got that wagon from and I was like oh that's probably why I mean not trying to connect dots like that but like when you think about it it's like hmm well I guess I can see why she's built the way she's built now because, like, I guess maybe the father, like, saw, like, the mother who might be uh, his sister or a cousin or something like that. And I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to lie. She got a nice um, dump truck on her. So I tapped it and then we spat out a kid and we're just going to live with it. And I'm just like, I'm walking away from this situation. I'm not. I'm, I'm done. So, so that's some of the things nowadays. Like the, the most dangerous part of the internet is when a lot of people's like people just all this new stuff is happening. No, correction. None of this shit is new shit. This is all the same shit that has always been there. The internet just made it more accessible. <laughs> yeah, see, the thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm I'm bringing this like I'm not gonna go too deep into it, but. Some of the things that be going on in relationships, like some of the toxic bullshit I be hearing about, or so, the way some dudes might move, or the way some women might move, is like you would think before the internet, you would probably have like a handful of people that's like that. But for the most part, you would think that most people are like decent people, right? But no, you're right, Kokuyasu. With the internet, it became so prevalent that some of the things that people do isn't that rare as you think. It's almost like, yo, so exactly what percentage of our society is really like 
that though like you know the percentage of people that's like oh well you know i'm just gonna fuck anything that moves and i don't really care for marriage or kids or anything like that you know just um stick my uh you (laughs) yeah you know what i mean and then yeah it's like on one hand I'm just going to let people be people on that. But it's like, you know what? I'm just not going to even bother um, getting wrapped up into that. But at the same time, it's just scary how, like, with the more YouTube and TikTok videos that I see of things like this, like, it becomes so common ground that it's scary that that's why people say that it's a cold, cruel world, how truth is stranger than fiction. Because when fictional works, we have to craft it to where it has to make sense. Like, especially with Inuyasha, like with uh, Cookie Guys, what you just said about Naraku, if they reworked him, reworked his villain origin story to where it's not about um, vengeance and being scorned, it was about power uh, and that he gained Kikyo's sympathy rather than just catching feelings. If they did it differently, then the whole thing would have made way more sense. But that's just the thing. Fictional work have to make sense. The reality of our world doesn't. So true. <clears throat> so true. A lot of things that happen in the world, you were thinking it doesn't make sense, but that's just it. That's just it. It's like that one episode of South Park where South, uh, the South Park boys went to, I think, either Pakistan or in that Iraqi area. Uh, you know, back when the Iraqi war was uh, prevalent um, during that time when South Park was running. Uh, basically, they met this Pakistani version of the boys and Stan kept trying to relate to them. But the boys just kept getting upset with them, like saying, like, you don't understand what we go through and all that shit. And then Stan just kept getting frustrated and frustrated until a point to where he's like, you know what? I just don't get it. And then that's when the Pakistani boys was like, now you get it. And that's just pretty much the truth of how things are. It's like there's just some things that just doesn't make sense, but it happens in this world anyway. So it's more like there's just some flaws in our own schematics that we just have to live with. Exactly. Plus, also, when you think about the aspects, again, um, like I mentioned as far as about time period. So I mentioned just about time period. I didn't even mention the fact of um, separate countries of different religious aspects of things as well. So there's multiple factors that lead into different things. Like As we're talking about it, we're picking apart about it based upon modern American standards. And I say that because that's a very big thing to specifically say. I'm picking this apart as a modern day American. If I try to pick it apart as a 1960s American, as a 1960s American, I would say um, literally. uh, hmm, No, no, not not, probably not 1960s. I probably go back a little further, maybe like 1800s. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, so Shomuren's relationship would be fine in the 1800s, uh-huh. just 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 shy of uh, 100 years ago. So right. about late 1800s, real real early 1900s, so stuff like that would be fine. It was very common for older men to want to wed and marry younger women. That was a very common thing. Think about like the, the color purple. 
for example. Uh-huh. That was a very big thing about it. It's like girls were married off at the age of 14. As soon as you got your period, you were married off. That was it. It was straight up what you were. You're 14. You had your first cycle. Oh, you're ready to be married. And that's literally what it was. It was considered standard. Nowadays, if you even think about doing some shit like that, you are immediately in jail. You are considered a pedophile. Mm-hmm. Like, guarantee. <laughs> Don't even try to do that shit, of course. But during old time standards, it, it made sense. And I say that because modern day America still says no. But then what is it? Because I've recently been doing a lot of research in different African cultures. <coughs> and one of the most common things is that marrying off a young woman is still very common in many other countries and many also different parts of Africa as well. One of the most common things that um, if some people wind up knowing about is the Zulu maidens. One of the biggest things about it is that the Zulu maiden that particular culture, the Zulu culture specifically talks about the maidens holding on to their virginity to until they get married. There's a very specific thing about that. But if you look at it from American standards, you would think that you're selling off young girls. That's exactly what it looks like. If you literally look it up, you will see some stuff you probably are not prepared to see right now. As an adult person, you will look at it and be confused. I tell you to look it up right now. Just saying. <laughs> But if you look right. at it as a modern day American, it's different. But if you look at it from a modern day Zulu Zulu culture person, it's it's normal. It's considered fine. So when it comes down for a lot of these relationships, it makes sense because these relationships are based upon the time period. I think it was the Edo period. Is based upon the time period. Oh. Oh. I'm sorry, Cookie. I'm sorry, but you just reminded me. When I was doing the segment with Kelly, I was like, ooh, I was kind of hoping Kokugazu was going to be on for this segment, but I'm kind of glad you're on this one. But no, Kokugazu, Inuyasha takes place in the Sengoku period. Oh, and, so- we're gonna talk- and the thing is, we're going to do Sengoku Basara. We're going to do it. So that's <laughs> what I'm going to tell you, like, bro, like, wait until we do this uh, segment with uh, Kokugazu. You're going to be like, yo, bro, like, so you're telling me that with Oda Nobunaga, like, think of um, Genkosu, that uh, that tank from the Band of Seven where he's like, okay, he's like this tank dude with the uh, cannons and all that, and you're thinking, where the fuck did this uh, technology from? Sengoku period. I'm like, oh, okay, because, you know, we do have uh, this flying Gundam of a samurai flying yes. around with uh yeah <laughs> you <laughs> like that jetpack where gunpowder is introduced and use a significant amount of gunpowder in order to use them which makes them very expensive to use so you're only using yeah. the war and that's it and shit. yeah most yeah. definitely industrial industrial periods from every single civilization is always a major crucial point it's one of the biggest reasons why steampunk became such a big thing because it's one of those moments of questioning, because some places the industrial period did not take off, like the introduction of gunpowder. And because when you introduce gunpowder is when colonization became the hugest thing, because um, another another anime that takes place around the same period in the Sengoku area as well. Um, I think and we, we I don't think we've talked about it yet, but we're owning Kenshin. So not yet, but we will. Yes. So that one also, the introduction of gunpowder brings forth a new industrial period. And that those periods are rough because that's one of those ones you're like, hey, we're introducing a new weapon. Hey, 
how do we use this? How about we show you by taking over your country? That was a very common thing. <laughs> Here, let's show you. Bah! Exactly. Like, hey, what's this? It's a gun. Huh? How does it work? I'll show you. Blast you in the face or blast your arm off. Like, oh, hey, you know how it works now. What the fuck? It wasn't ready. You're not supposed to be. Like, for real, this is real shit. But yeah, so um, <clears throat> it's very interesting the aspect how it, you have this start off introduction, you have all of these brand new things is brought into the period. And so, yeah, like you have the time period and you have that culture and the culture change because they're going through their own industrial um, change of culture as well with introduction of gunpowder and colonialization from, you know, white Europeans. Just saying. But yeah. <laughs> but when you look at it, a lot of these things are kind of social norms for the time period. Of course, modern day America, not at all. <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, there's a lot of things in America to where, like, I mean, we're the same country to where most of the um, free world is like on Celsius and on the metric system. And we were like, nah, we got our own thing. And then most languages in other countries was um, based on like Latin or some of like that. And then um, we have America where it's like, nah, we got our own thing. <laughs> I still find it funny finding out that English is really the original basis of English is just the fact of being able to test out people in multiple different languages and then we create a whole language in itself. <laughs> I want yeah. to be able to know what you're saying when you're saying when you're talking shit about me. So I learned only this piece of your language, this piece of your language and this piece of your language, and we're we gonna call it English. <laughs> it's like that's it, really. It's one of those ones we realize the fact that why wow, a lot of words don't make damn sense. You're like, why? Why do we have silent letters? Oh, that's because it's English douchebags. <laughs> They're like in the other language, you actually do pronounce the letter, but because English is like, <laughs> we're just not going to pronounce that letter, and so we're going to keep it there because we're going to say that we stole your language and rub it in your face. We're just not going to pronounce it. Ha 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 ha. Nah, you know what? You know what's funny? You guys do. I was watching Wakanda Forever, right? And there's not a spoiler, but not exactly a spoiler, but the thing is, uh, the only person that pronounces Namor's name right in that film is Namor himself. Everyone else pronounces it Namor. And I was like, that just out you when you're like America is like because we're used to pronouncing it uh Namor and then you're telling me that this guy who um is like Aztec um you know kind of Mayan whatnot and he give you the right pronunciation of his name and we're just like nah we like the sound of Namor better <laughs> that's just it sounds so funny <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> Nah. I'm, not too, I'm not too surprised now. Now there's a whole big thing into that. I know when that review comes along, we have a lot more to kind of do into that anyway. But um, still very interesting because they changed up a lot for that movie. It changed up a lot for him. So we we're gonna get there. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's just, it, it's funny. So you know, because when you look at it like piecing apart 
especially like, you know, anime that we grew up on as a kid, like looking at it as adults now is already different. But understanding what the time periods and then getting a chance to like really dive into those as well, it makes it makes such a huge difference. And like, okay, why would they do this? Oh, because of the time period and of the culture. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense now. Okay, I can roll with it, you know. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, there's some things and both fictional works and in reality to where it might seem strange, but some things come with reasons and some is just pure nonsense. <laughs> to be honest with you, almost all of life is pure nonsense this day these days, so Oh right. Um that's the thing, is like Basically, life is a whole bunch of chaos and survival, and we're just um, trying to make sense of it all. It's like we're trying to give reason to things that um, have, like, you know what? Let me not go too far into it before, um, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, start having existential crises. Like, I'm not trying to be Rick Sanchez here. (laughs) I was just about to say that. I was like, you sound like you're about to go Rick right now. I was like, you know what? We don't got the time like that. We're just waiting until the after hours podcast for that. Lord have mercy. All right. Whew, yeah, so so we're nearing downtime, but I, did you have some more questions for this? Because I, I really do like the Inuyasha as well. Like it's a really it's a really good anime. It's one that, you know, it's worth going back and watching, especially going and watching the movies. It's it's really worth doing so. It's very okay. I got something for you. Uh, Suki, Suki Hops from the previous segment brought this up, and it's very good that she brought it up. Do you believe that Inuyasha is like a Mary Sue to a degree? Because the way she said it to where between Inuyasha and Shishomaru, she's on your side with Shishomaru. And I, I, I agree with y'all because Shishomaru he saw it in his own right. And yeah, he may not have much compassion for humans or pretty much anyone in general, but it's like a rare few people that he actually give a shit about. Like, you, can, you can't help but um, have respect for Shishomaru. It's like, he's one of those guys that you just can't hate. Like, in my opinion. But here's the thing. Why... Inuyasha might be like a Mary Sue type character because with Shishomaru he had to pretty much grind and pretty much get like his um, replacement arm and get a sword um, that he can use in combat in order to do what he needs to do. Meanwhile, Inuyasha, he was basically inherited Tetsuya. um, This very powerful blade and then even outside of him having that blade it's like he made friends easily he had like two girls like between Kagome and Kikyo and Sishomaru he was just pretty much a loner so it's almost like a lot of shit has been just handed to Inuyasha so how do you feel about that? I mean that's a straight up yes I guess there's no, there's no argument on that whatsoever. Everyone who has seen the anime knows this to be true. And he actually gets, literally just gets everything. <clears throat> there's no, no question about that. 
like literally you wound up having this moment of like, oh, he's always looked down upon. He's always in this, he's always in that. But he still has been given a lot of stuff, like real shit. He has been. He's been given so many chances that other like other people do not get. Human beings don't get the same chances that he gets. Other demons don't get the same chances that he gets. This dude literally has escaped life or death situations several times, not even doing talk no juicy, not not doing talking, just literally because people just felt sympathy. <laughs> you yeah. know what? Already beating you down is the dog you are. So I guess I, I guess I'll just end it here and then walk away. You see this happen to enemy a lot, which is it's very specific characters. You see this happen to. It's, it's always a point that you're like. You don't stay to finish the job type of thing. You don't you can't bear to finish the job. You can't bear to finish the job with this one particular person because it just seems like they're weak. And then you don't finish the job. And oh, my God, you came back and foiled my plans. <laughs> yeah, if you just finish the job, look, look where we'd be at. Not here. <laughs> right. Who's alive? Nearly you. <laughs> and another thing is Kagome. Like, here's the thing. When... There's a new moon, and Inuyasha has the black hair. He's pretty much human for the night, and that's usually when demons will come around and try to kill Inuyasha while he's weak. And that makes you think Kagome is way more useful than people give her credit for, because not only is she that ride-or-die chick that not... She will meet Inuyasha halfway and be like, uh, all right, Kagome, um, stand behind that rock and don't move. I got this. And Kagome is like, oh, hell no. Nah. Like, I'm fighting, too. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and then when you consider that whenever Inuyasha is powered down because of the new moon, that means that Kagome pretty much has the spotlight to protect Inuyasha from demons using her sacred arrows, especially when you consider that in Yashahime, uh, I'm not entirely sure how strong she gets. I really need to watch that show. Like, I need to watch it again. But I just imagine Kagome becoming really strong with her priestess powers and like essentially whenever Inuyasha is having that day out of the month, then essentially she's like protecting Inuyasha the whole time until sunrise. And when you really bring that into perspective, it's like Kagome isn't just an archer, but like she can legitimately like do shit like hell like even Naraku uh, acknowledged her to where uh, if her aim was better she could have one shot at Naraku at one point mm-hmm. and so that's where I'm going to flip this coin that you're talking <laughs> and also say <laughs> lazy as fuck okay so let's put it in this aspect here you said like in your biggest argument that you've had on this your biggest point I'm not going to say argument because we haven't even gotten to a debate about it yet <laughs> The biggest point that you start off with is that it starts off when Inuyasha has now become human because his demon powers are sealed with the moon. Okay. Mm-hmm. So first thing I want to talk about this, and this is going to be just a quick funny reference, is the fact that literally the reason I also chose the name Kokugatsu and also have a back I have another name, Kurogatsu. Uh God of the God of the White Moon, God of the New Moon. It specifically was developed because of Inuyasha being mm-hmm. a full moon. Being when Yasha is the most has the most demonic power that he has, and being a new moon, 
where he's the absolute no demonic power whatsoever, just being human as is. So first thing understanding this <clears throat> is the fact that Kagome has all this potential ability to grow and doesn't do shit. <laughs> like you said, Naraku even said, man, had your aim been better, you know what that told me? That told me throughout the whole series, all 26 seasons, <laughs> you tell me you ain't had one opportunity to get into a firing range. Or better yet, work on your damn aim with how many damn demons you have killed. Now, one time, have you decided, hmm, I might want to hawk out this motherfucker. Never missed. <laughs> Apparently, my best ability is just like literally. Here's the thing: my spiritual pressure, my spiritual power that I have, just automatically infuses these arrows of sacred energy that can immediately damage and one shot kill these demons. All I have to do, all I have to do specifically, the only thing that I have to do is just learn how to aim better. That's the only thing I need to do. That is it. That's all I got to do. You want to know when she had perfect aim? She had perfect aim when she destroyed the fucking jewel. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just really funny because you know she was aiming at that crow, boy. Whoops. Exactly. So, <laughs> all you had to do was practice. Oh, my gosh. This is one of the reasons why it's like a lot of people hate Kiki. Like I do, I don't, I, I come, I don't like Kiki. You understand when you finally get hey to man, that. Whole, I'm right there with you. Yeah, when you finally get that whole Naraka thing, like you always on the fence anyway between about her and how she treats Yasha and how Yasha treats her and stuff, and then you know her coming back because they reincarnated the body and shit. Like it's a whole, so much that goes into that shit. But when you really understand backstory, you start hating. Her. But the one thing you can say is this: the bitch can shoot an arrow. Yep. Because guess what she said I'm going to do? If my job is to shoot an arrow, I'm going to be the best arrow shooting motherfucker here. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. Kagome, why the hell could you not practice? <laughs> how many times, like real shit, how many times has she gone back to her world? Went to school. There's an archery club. Oh, man. It's archery. Hmm. Nope, I'm not going to go join the archery club. I don't need to practice my aim. I have super magical arrows where even if I miss, it's still do enough damage. No, I mean, that is fair. That is fair criticism because, like, bro, like, yeah, all that potential that you have to where you could have one shot at the big bad villain, that would have been a wrap. But you didn't even bother to like get some practice in with your bow and arrow. I mean, hell, like with Inuyasha, I would say that he doesn't even practice really, but at least um, sometimes I guess he tried to use Windscarred just to practice a little bit. But I don't know. There's been a, there's only a couple anime. I think there's only like three episodes that you actually really see it happen. I might be wrong. It might be more than that, but I only recall like three. There's only three episodes that I recall where he actually practices the wind scar to try to control the amount of energy he's putting into it 
so he can make it whether it's bigger or smaller so he's not over exhausting himself because remember when he first got the winds when he first got unlocked the ability to use the wind scar tetsaiga it was very simple like yusuke uh, from yu Hakusho. yusuke when he first started off could only do it one time as he practiced he eventually got you know several shots when he was up to he got up to like three by the time he got to the dart tournament and then by the time we get towards the end of the um show, he's able to shoot like six or seven. So, you know, he practiced into it. You do see Inuyasha practice the wind scar. You actually also understand that literally when there was also a moment where Inuyasha had used it as well. And Kagome had mentioned, she says, wow, you've gotten better. He said, well, what, all the times that you dis- you said, when times that you go, he said, what do you think I'm doing? Just lazing around doing nothing? Like he literally <laughs> said this shit. <laughs> He does practice. Come on, Kago. It's one of those moments that you're like, okay, I went back to school, I got this education, yada, yada, yada. You know what? I'm not going to live in this time, the anime. I'm not going to live in this time period. I'm going to go back to the old time period, spend my life in Yasha, and we're going to raise a family. We're going to live there. Okay, so you definitely could have had time to practice what you're telling me. You want to know who practiced? Look, I learned this from the first episode. You want to know who practiced? Her daughter. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. First episode of Yashihime. Guess who has perfect aim? The daughter. (laughs) I'm like... Yeah, that kind of made me look a little bad. In hindsight... And there's like almost no excuse for it either. And you know, you know what? No, you know what? Something that I forgot to mention in the other two segments. Her whole thing with uh, what's his face, uh, Hojo, like um, between her studies, must mess around with Hojo and messing around with her friends. And I mean, I'm not gonna really knock her for having like family time, but you're right. It's like she had like so much leisure time in between her studies and her responsibilities around the house. But you just never thought that, okay, maybe if I practice a little, I might be good enough to just snipe Naraku and we can just be over and done with the whole thing. But like, I don't know. It's like, it's like, um, don't don't even come at me with that whole, well, you know, she's a 14, 15 year old girl, like, um, get cut her some slack, like, she's just trying to have a normal life. I was like, bro, she plans on going back. Like, if she wanted to have a normal life, she would just stay in the present time and just not even bother with the bone eater well, even if Inuyasha can travel to the present time and try to convince her to come back. She can just say no if she wanted to. Like, but that's just the thing. Like, she wanted to go back at some point, but she didn't even bother to, like, get some practice with the bow and arrow. Like, it's one thing to get more arrows, you know, more ammunition, but you kind of need to work on your aim a little bit because um, there are some times where you would hit like minor villains with your arrows, but you know one of the funniest things? There's so many video games that literally give you the opportunity to have unlimited ammo 
And I have seen this. I haven't seen it in person, but I've seen like recording videos of it. And this is the most hilarious shit. Okay. Dude got unlimited ammo and still got killed by the boss. Guess how? How? He missed almost every shot. (laughs) (laughs) You have unlimited ammo, but if you can't shoot it, then what's the point? Right. I give you an unlimited amount. It's like I can give you as many chances as possible. But if you keep missing and keep missing because you're not taking the time to sit there, gauge what you're doing and aim it properly, it's going to go nowhere. At that point, I'm now wasting my time. <laughs> and that's literally what you're doing. You're wasting your own time. All you got to do is practice it. <laughs> you don't have to practice. And see, the thing about it is, I'm going to put it this way. You did see her practice on, I, I only recall one episode, but I do remember one episode where she was practicing and she sucked. <laughs> I mean, that should tell you right there that if you suck when you're in practice, like that should tell you that you should practice this more, especially if you're going back into the um, bullshit. Exactly. So when she kept doing it, so literally she kept doing it up to the point where she finally hit the target. She didn't hit a bullseye. She hit the target. She was only a little ways off. And she was like, ha. Huh. They're like, you're ready. No, 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 the fuck I'm not. No. <laughs> Did you see this? Did you see this? Look, look, sometimes, you know, some demons have multiple hearts and some demons have really, really small hearts. Some of them are the fucking Grinch. You know, like the heart was like 10 times smaller. Original <laughs> <laughs> human heart. And sometimes these motherfuckers is flying towards me. Okay. I want you to understand that. It's a small ass. Heart. It's about the size of a quarter. Y'all probably don't know what a quarter is. It's about the size of a coin. I'll say that much. Maybe a little bit smaller. So their heart is about that size. They're about a hundred yards away, and they're flying towards me at high speed. And I immediately shoot an arrow. I shot off the wing. And you're like, you did it. You beat the demon. No, I shot the wing off. It can still come and find me and try to kill me. This can still do this. I'm not ready yet. I need to practice longer. Don't reach to a point to like, I hit the target. You're ready. No, no, motherfucker. No, that's not. That's a, now, no, see, I, I, now, hold on. See, if her arrows were to where it was like Hawkeye or a green arrow to where if you make contact with the uh, target, then it just give off this explosion of spiritual energy and then the demon just incinerate from the exposure to that energy okay i will let you have that but that's just not the case you have to be very precise with uh where that uh arrow ends up um ain't landing and all that shit otherwise there's no point to it Exactly. It uses up a shit ton of power just to try to try to make an exploding arrow out of nothing but pure spiritual energy. Like that's a lot of power to do so. You're infusing it constantly into there. And plus you have to make sure you infuse enough that will kill that demon. Like straight up. Like I may miss, but this had enough power to explode all upon you type of shit. Like that takes a shit ton of power to, to be able to get to that point. If you're not there, you're not there. Like that's just realistically what it is. She's not there. She knows that. Practice. Practice, motherfucker, practice. As far as her as a person, she was also aggravating. She whined all the damn time. I know, I know it was mostly just like the little gifs and little um AMVs that they did. It was like Inuyasha Kanome, Inuyasha Kanome, Inuyasha Kanome. And they're like, yes, 
You can make a whole video where they said it at least about, I'd probably say 200 times. But when you have like 455 episodes, it's not that much. It's, it's, it's about half. It's about 40%. That's a lot. Actually, it's a lot. But still, um, still, it's not that point. It's not the main point into it. It's just like you have opportunities to be a better person as well. And she does grow. She gets better. She's still aggravating. She's still annoying. She gets easily skeptical about every single thing. Like, hey, this might be someone we can trust. We can try to help them out. And it goes by and bites you in the ass later. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. We're just going to roll the dice. We're going to flip a coin. We're going to two-face this. This side we live. Yes. This side we live. This side we have an immortal, have an immortal eternal monster constantly coming after us for the rest of our lives. It sounds like a good coin flip. No, the fuck it's not. <laughs> just saying. Oh, she'd be so angry. No, so you think about it. I wouldn't even say that because Goku always has the mindset of a person getting stronger and providing him a better fight. She doesn't Butchery. want to fight her. She just wants them to, to mend their ways. If I am a demon that has been 500 years old, <laughs> spent 500 years slaughtering other demons and other humans, constantly doing this, I meet you one day and decide, you know what? I'm going to have a change of heart. No. <laughs> if I was about 10, 20 years old, possibly, but if I'm a five, I've been doing this for 500 years. No. No. <laughs> it's just common sense. <laughs> but then yeah. if, if common sense was common, it wouldn't be called common sense. It would just be called sense. <laughs> And you'd be able to buy a lot of shit with it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just not there. Okay. Okay. But, you know, it does kind of make you think about the whole trope, at least, to where there's always like, well, not always, but, you know, every now and then there's going to be this main character, not necessarily the protagonist, but there's always this character that's like, Okay, I know this person tried to kill us, but maybe we can be friends with them after all. I was like, really? This is how you want to start the friendship? With, hey, you remember when we first met and you tried to kill us? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Vegeta's still my favorite character in Dragon Ball Z so and Dragon Ball Super currently, so I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and Piccolo is Piccolo is, is highly respected as probably one, as one of the best dads in anime. I'm just saying. <laughs> Gohan well, looking at Piccolo like, "Hey, you remember when we first met and you kidnapped what? me after you killed my dad?" Yeah, man, <laughs> good times, good times. Yeah, and then like what, what was like whole nother thing. Uh, TFS, of course. Like, hey, did you get into that college you were trying to get in for? No, uh, unfortunately, we didn't get it. No! no! You worked so hard! <laughs> Just, <clears throat> I don't know. It sometimes works in anime, sometimes doesn't. It, it varies. It, it very much varies. It very much. Kagome is not that person. <laughs> but, alright, I am... Um, 
nearing the end of my time, so I have no time for one more question. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm good. Like, because okay. I'm pretty satisfied with this segment, so that's I'm good. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, again, it actually is still a great anime. Something definitely to enjoy watching. You know, if you haven't seen it, I do encourage you to watch it. It is long. Yes, there are some points you're going to be like, bro, what the hell? But it doesn't get like that all the time. It, it really doesn't. Even the filler episodes can be very entertaining. It's a very interesting love story. <laughs> you know, you it may not sell to you right away, and that's fine. It doesn't have to. You just enjoy it for as it is. Enjoy it for what it is, and you just move forward and do the little things that you do and just watch it. Just enjoy it. <laughs> Indeed. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is the end of the Inuyasha review. I thank everybody for listening to the end. You know the drill with the links in the episode footer. Follow those links if you want to show your support. And until the next episode, stay thankful, my friends, and may the nostalgia never die. We are zoning out.